like short shorts? I like short shorts. Those guys are way off. They know how to make you smile. You're already here, why don't you stay a while? Kick back, relax, you freaks. They're playing all the tricks and taking all of the treats. Grab a whiskey and hang on tight. Smoke that bong with all your might. They write books, but that ain't all. One short and smooth and one is hairy and tall. It's vital social issues and stuff with Chris and John Wayne. They argue about everything and then drive each other so insane. Vital social issues and stuff with Chris and John Wayne. It's vital social issues and stuff with Chris and John Wayne. Best buds talking book of the week. And all the horror stuff that they think is neat. Hanging loose to in ridiculous reads. Not cause we deserve it, cause it's what we need. Vital social issues and stuff with Chris and John Wayne. They argue about everything and drive each other so insane. Vital social issues and stuff with Chris and John Wayne. It's vital social issues and stuff with Chris and John Wayne. Welcome to Vital Social Issues and Stuff with Chris and John Wayne. Who? That's Chris and John Wayne. I'm John Wayne. With me, as always, Christopher Triana, the great and powerful sir. How are you? Hey, what's up, J-Dubs? Not too much. I see you have a very sexy haircut. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I like that. I just got a cut today, yes. You keep it on fresh point because I feel like you recently also had a haircut that we we spoke of. And, uh, about once once a month I get a haircut. I know that's that's a that's what I'm saying. You've got it on a nice routine as I do myself every three weeks with my kissing hairdresser. And um, <laughs> so I like that. I appreciate that. Yeah, um, I well, got a get... barber in his seventies who's actually from Italy. You know, it's like he's it's perfect. Yeah. <laughs> no, I know exactly. That's what I'm saying. I have like the Al Bundy barber. It's great. Yeah. <laughs> When he dies, you have to go find his father, who's like ninety-eight or something yeah, somewhere. Yeah. Well, his son works works there too, so you know I've got a backup if something. Oh, I was gonna say, to so Angelo. you already have it. You already have it, like in line. Like, oh, yeah, you've, yeah. Got, you've got your next two barbers set up. I do you know, yeah, because some out- probably the son outlives you. You know, then you're you're mm-hmm. good. You know, yeah, yeah. That's a nice feeling to know that you never, you know, well, have I think, to take I think, care of that again. Uh, I think. Jeff, that's the son. I think he's a little bit older than me because Angelo is like 75 or something. Mm. So, and you know who else is 75? Ed O'Neill just turned 75 this week. So happy, happy birthday. birthday to our Lord and Savior, Ed O'Neill, a.k.a. Al Bundy. And he, uh, just so everybody knows, he could still absolutely 110% score four touchdowns in one game. Oh, even now at 75. Even- do we even have to say that? I mean, yeah. 77, all so, of it. You know it. what? In other news, the sky is blue, and John, <laughs> and John Wayne likes weed. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, are, I, see. I see. I see what you're doing. Yeah, these are facts, fair. man. Captain. This is a fact. Ed O'Neill could definitely score four touchdowns in a game speaking, today. Speaking of, did you like it on that on that package I sent you? How I wrote Chris four touchdowns in one game. Yes. Tri- oh, yeah, I did. Yeah, that was fun. <laughs> that was funny. I took yeah. it to a. Uh, my my UPS store where, where I sell all my st- sell all my send all my stuff from and shit, 
and I gave and like they already every time they like look at my handwriting on there, they're like, what the fuck? Because it looks all like a heavy metal craziness. Right, right. And I gave it to her and she looked at it and she was like, I, I and I was like, don't worry about all that shit in the middle. That's just a joke. You just do Christian. Oh, she's like, oh, OK, thank you. Thank you. She's <laughs> like, what <laughs> she like written that whole thing out in the in the thing. But um, anyway, speaking of of, of funny uh, UPS stories, we have to address the fact that there was no episode last week. And uh, that was due to uh, to us hating all of you. It, it, I, I think it might have been due to a little uh, presumption, presumption, presumptuousness on my part. Maybe a little, uh, you know, uh, we got a little too confident in that <clears throat> I was on the road and we were like very much thought that, yeah, I'll just we'll just record the episode because I'll be in my hotel room. Who cares? You know, it'll be mm-hmm. fine mm-hmm. and it'll be cool to be like a different environment. We'll talk about it. Wrong. So I was in this motel <laughs> the night that we recorded. Um, you know, it was a it was a nice fifty dollar night, uh, plain white box room, and uh, the internet, uh, I guess, was not as uh, uh, great as you would say. Uh, and so well, we had it was all- it was all the whole hotel was on a dial up modem. You know, yeah, it was like, it was a- run through AOL, <laughs> mm-hmm. and it was a crank up modem too. So I had to keep going <laughs> yes. back. Behind the building and turning the crank and shit. Yeah, yeah. So we lost signal yeah. a couple times, mm-hmm. and that was a pain in the ass. And I know it kept like kind of freezing a little <clears throat> as we were doing it. But the next day, when I went back to edit it, it was like the first 25 minutes are just gone. Yeah. I think it shows it's there, but it's just not there. Like nothing's coming up for it. And then the rest of it was like super scratchy, and it just it wasn't going to be salvageable so i yeah. we decided we decided we're not gonna you know rather than put out a super shitty episode and be like yeah. whoops part of this is missing and you can't hear what the hell's going on we just decided to scrap it and yeah and i uh, wait till i got back you're, home. You're, not, you're not missing much anyway people it wasn't the best show we were just talking about parties and then we ended up get, going on a rant about there was cops. a lot of ranting towards the end of that episode toward, probably yeah best. towards yeah probably was toward, the best. like towards the police yeah. and then also going on this whole like nihilistic descent uh into oh, yeah. we, no one really, nothing matters <laughs> we really 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 went off and i have to probably you know i was probably a little bit to blame for that because i was already like in a sad sack mood that entire time because i was super lonely you know i left all i left the hotel in nashville which <clears throat> you know i didn't since my left date was lost on that it, you know the full moon tattoo and horror convention i was there with west southern our man mm-hmm. it was amazingly awesome sold a ton of fucking shit but as soon as I left that hotel and went 10 minutes over to my other motel, I was like, oh, man, we're alone. Yeah. And then I went yeah. my I got to my place and I was like, oh, this place kind of sucks. And then, yeah, like, was- I swear, swear to God, like on the TV, I, I looked at the TV is, is small. It's like a small TV in the room, which is fine. I don't care. I got my book stuff. But I look at it and there's something on it, like across the screen. And I'm like, that's not is. And I get closer and I start looking. And I'm like you know kept like changed like i'm looking at the light and i was like you are absolutely kidding me it was it could have been, it was absolutely a, a jizz uh like spray at the tv that it hit <laughs> and it was it was absolutely that dude it was dry and hard like and, super and you, hard like it had you, been there and you told me you you had tasted it just to be I sure i tasted it i gave it a taste <laughs> test yeah i tried to like at one point like i was just like fuck i took a butter knife and was trying to like scrape it off with a butter knife because i was like fuck this jizz on my tv just and it just like i just scratched just scratched up the screen like super bad there's all these scratches in the screen and i was like oh shit <laughs> so anyway 
Uh, so that was that. It didn't work out too too well, and so we lost the episode. But I did have a good adventure um, that I didn't tell you about since it was it happened the day after I talked to you, I guess. Mm, okay. Can I tell you real quick? Of course. Remember, I was out of weed. Um, yes, I... it was, yes, that's true. That was that was part of the tragedy. That's one of the reasons you were so upset. I mean, you you were upset about not having anyone to talk to because you're you're definitely more gregarious than I am. But you uh, your real problem, I think, is you didn't have any weed. Yeah, it was a problem amongst yeah. many. But I'm not going to lie that it wasn't a, an important problem. Yes, it was. But yeah, I I, I was uh not very judicious with my usage in um in nashville during the the convention because i took an amount and i was like you know all right i had to get some supplies i had to get some prints made so i was like you know what let me wait because i can make this last till i get to illinois because it's legal in illinois and then i'll be fine everything will be fine smash cut to me like smoking like the last like dust that i have Mm. like saturday night at the convention like i'm already out like as Mm -hmm. soon as i get there so Sunday, I'm hitting this pen that my friend Amanda has. So I get some, but then I'm not, nothing Monday, nothing Tuesday, a Wednesday. Pen? Yeah, like a vape pen. Like a, oh, okay, but it had weed. Yeah, yeah it had weed. So I had something. Then <clears throat> Wednesday night, or Wednesday, my only plans are going to have dinner with uh, John Quick and his wife Angie, whose fellow author John Quick shouts out. Mm-hmm. And um, so. I'm all day. That's all I have to look forward to. So I get up and I'm like, I'm going to get all ready. I go, I go, I'm going to get gas and get some, some beer for my room in Chicago. I go get beer. I get gas, get a couple other things. I go back to the room and I, I I got a case of PBR, but I passed by their single shelf at the Kroger and they had those quarts of Miller High Life that I gotten before that I spilled in the car. Remember? And I was like, oh, this, uh, this is a sign. I got to get a couple of these, you know? So I did. And then I, I took all my beer and all my stuff home and I was like driving up and down the, sh- the street with my windows down, uh, just like blasting Guns and Roses. And I was like, ah, what am I going to do? And then I'm like, I guess I can play guitar for a little bit, you know, so I took it back to the room. <clears throat> Is this story going somewhere? Yeah, dude, listen. <laughs> Jesus. What? I'm tell- I'm trying- and then I was listening to Guns N' Roses. I was thinking about playing my guitar. Okay, okay, here we go. I'm, paint- I'm painting a word picture, dude. It's called theater of the mind. Okay, yeah. people enjoy listening to stories and my stories too, especially. Oh, yeah. so all right, whatever. I'll speed it up. I get. I decided I was. Gonna, I'm gonna play guitar and drink. It's like noon, so I start cracking beers and playing. And then I'm just like, fuck it. I'm gonna like full blast. Just play like I play. Like I'm practicing. Somebody wants me to shut up. I will. No one tell me to shut up. Two and a half hours I'm doing that. Then I decide I'm going to go get a tattoo, but I'm calling all around and nobody's taking walk-ins. So then I decide I'm just going to go to a bar and draw till I have to go meet uh, with with John. <clears throat> so I go to this like neighborhood fucking bar like that would be in the north side of town. Like you could still smoke in there. It was like whatever. There's like old pe- old drunk regulars there in the day. All And I sit at the bar and get this like 32 ounce yingling and I start drawing. And this dude, two stools down for me, is like obviously knows everybody's talking, and he says to the bartender, "All right, well, I'm gonna go get stoned. I'll be right back." And I'm like, "Spider sense tingling." Yeah, yeah, stoner so I, sense. So I turn to him, I'm like, "Hey, man, <laughs> uh, not for nothing, but you got you happen to have like a couple of buds you could sell me by any chance? Because I don't want to just invite myself. Hey, can I come smoke with you? Yeah. Uh, so I was, he's like, "Nah, man, no, nah, I'm sorry, I'm on, I'm pro- I'm on probation." And I was like, "Oh, okay." As he goes out to get high, and I'm like, okay, cool. So then I sit there, keeping myself. I'm drawing, you know. I'm just drinking my beer. 
then the the like the manager of the bar is like is like hey man how easy does that make your job and i was like what he's like pointing me out talking about my ipad he's like i i assume you're a tattoo artist are you drawing your tattoos on that and i was like no blah 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 and then i go into the spiel of all everything that i do and what i'm doing and then he's like hey everyone come here look at this and like all the fucking bartenders are all looking this dude's looking i'm showing him talking about writing and my band what i'm there for so then this guy just automatically starts like the guy that's next to me starts asking me about my band and stuff so we're talking he's like hey man you want to go out and smoke and i was like yes i do <laughs> so we go out and get high like super like balls high giraffe balls high or whatever it is and then uh, i was like yeah i'm gonna go meet these people over at this oh charlie's he's like oh man my friend works there can you give me a ride and i was like sure man he's like we'll stop by my house and get some weed and i was like all right already breaking my rule about like taking someone somewhere or going back to someone's house alone right. i don't even know why i have these rules but we get back there and this dude just got a ton of fucking weed and he's like breaks me off some and gives me this little bag and he's like here you go man this is for you didn't charge me anything we went to the bar i met john got super i had this high weed to get to the place blasting me till i could go to the weed store there you and go. look at that it's like a weed when in need, you'll find weed, I think. It's just how it is. <clears throat> I could I could tell you, you weren't as impressed with that story as I well, was. Well, you could have just started at the bar when you met the guy and got the weed, rather than this whole thing. I drove and got the beer, and then I was in the car, and then I played Guns N' Roses, and then I played my guitar. Like, none of that was really relevant <laughs> to the to It the was all relevant to the story. It was all, all right. relevant to the story. Well, I'm sure there were people out there that enjoyed it. I was just, you know. Was just do, you like, not yeah. like, do you not like when people tell stories? I, I do, but I like them to get to the point, you know? You were just kind of rambling there. You were telling me stuff that you know, that didn't matter. Like, just because it happened to you doesn't make it interesting. Well, I like to set the scene as to how it was. No weed, all these days, paint the picture uh, well, of how sad well, yeah, it was. Well, that, all that was, was vital to explaining the situation, but there was a lot of added detail that I could have done without. But, I mean, that's just my critique, you know? <laughs> so... Yeah. I, like I said, I many, there are probably many people out here that were like that were listening and they were on the edge of their seat uh, that couldn't wait to 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 hear the, how this epic tale played out. So, and the rest of my trip was very fine. <laughs> anyway, why don't you tell the story of your haircut again, Chris? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know what? Remember what the story was? Yeah, I got a haircut. The end. Yeah, my barber's old. That was the whole story. I was like, well, I got up in the morning and. Yeah, then I uh, I had myself a couple of English muffins, took the dog out to take a shit, and then I uh, had to get dressed so I could go to physical th and, and so on. You know, like it was just I went, I got a haircut. End of story. Well, I'm sorry you don't appreciate that kind of storytelling. I like the <laughs> flair of you putting the scene together. Well, I, that, well, that I want to know what you ate. It was more <laughs> of like a, a Grandpa Simpson kind of flair, though. It's just this like rambling, you know. <laughs> it, I whatever. Let's let it go. Let it go. All right. Uh, I'm glad you found weed. Is the is the important part? And yeah, it's 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 like you and weeded. You're kind of like Les, uh, not Leslie. What's his name? Lee, Liam Neeson in Taken, where you're just like I I have a certain set of skills and I will find you. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Uh, yeah, and I did. But um, yeah, shouts out to everyone in Chicago because uh, it was it was great. Um, if ever, if anybody's listening to the show that I just met recently in Nashville, Chicago, thanks for checking it out. I know that uh, one dude, Michael, shouts out in Chicago. He's, he went back to the room and started listening immediately. So thanks for listening, dude. And thanks to everybody else for checking us out. Mm -hmm. Matt, uh, I sold all my books uh, 
except for like 22. I came home with 22 books and that was great. Cool. Do you, do you bring home anything else that was cool? Like you get anything for yourself, mask or a hoodie or anything? No, no. Good. It's, uh, I bought a couple pre-roll joints and stuff. That was it. I got, okay. I got this skull that's made out of some kind of stone from the Hansia Co. Present. Girls. I'm holding Present. it up to the camera. No, it's yeah. It's a stone. It's like a something. Okay. Um, I was kidding. That, yeah. Like, I didn't mean resin, resin. I meant marijuana resin. Yeah. Oh, oh, I wish, dude. Yeah. I'd fucking <laughs> smoke it in front of you. <laughs> right. No, no, not this time. I got my uh, my mother is visiting me right now. That was a nice treat to come home oh, to, and she's that's here. Nice. That's she's nice. here. Um, she actually got into town on Saturday while I was still in Chicago. So my wife went and picked her up, and they were hanging out here until I got home. Mm. So, um, <clears throat> yeah, so it was nice to come home and see her, and I got her and. Uh, Katie, like some some jewelry, uh, some nice jewelry that uh, my friends Kira and Ashley made, and cool. that was it. Thought of other someone other than myself. That's nice. That's always nice. And that's yeah. great. I'm glad she's in town. Tell her I say hello. I will. Um, oh, I do have one thing coming up. I, I I'm going tomorrow to get my first uh, vaccination shot, so that's exciting. I'm glad to be doing that. Um, yeah. So I'm gonna do that and. It's not the JJ one. The JJ one's been all over the news. It's I'm getting the Moderna shot, um, and I've heard mixed things. Some people say that they're just made their arm hurt. Other people say they kind of felt like they had a cold for 24 <laughs> hours. Uh, but I'm going to be home all day, and I'm, I'm getting it really early in the morning, and then I'll be home all day. So, yeah, I won't really have any responsibilities uh, to worry about. So yeah. that's good. Yeah, they just opened it all in Texas right before I left. So yeah, uh, I didn't want to get it. The Monday or Tuesday before I left, just in case it got I got something weird about you know I want to be on the road and feel weird. Right. So, but right. but Katie and I are making our appointments this week as well. Good, so very good. Anyway, all right. Well, are we ready to get into the show? I uh, yeah, think so. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I think we should. Okay. Well, then that brings us into our first segment, which of course is. Book of the Week. Book. Book. Book of the Week, dude. Dude. Dude, bro. Bro, dude. It is Word. Book of the Week. And this week, uh, Book of the Week goes to uh, our buddy and friend, um, Jurassic Christ by Michael Allen Rose. Uh, for me, I thought Jurassic Christ was the name of our friend, which is I, would I be know. a cool name, right? Yeah, it would be, man. <laughs> if we had a friend like, hey, hey, man, I'm going to go over to Jurassic Christ to pick up, like, you know, he's got my fucking notebook and I'm going to get a half ounce from him, you know? <laughs> he's got my notebook. <laughs> I left it over there, you know? I just like, when we were... I like that. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, he's got my composition book, you know, yeah. with all of my... With all my math homework. <laughs> no, you know, we're, we were writing poetry, you know. We were writing our poetry, we writing papers. Well, I mean, it was also like a, a, a cloud journal of, like, we lay there, we look at the mm -hmm. clouds, and we write what it looks like. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. You and, you and Jurassic James Christ. <laughs> Jurassic? How did dip? He doesn't like to go by that anymore. His, oh, father's, his father's name is Jurassic James, okay? Uh, He's just gotcha. Jurassic Christ. Yeah. yeah, I don't know why I said that first, but it's just how I felt like doing it. Um, but, but no, it's still a great book title, Jurassic Christ. It's a great title. 
Jurassic Christ. Yes, absolutely. And Michael Allen Rose, of course, very good friend of mine. Didn't get to see him this time in Chicago, but I'll see him here soon. And, uh, you know, Michael's uh, got a lot in the bizarro realm kind of, and, and the more humorous bent side of things. And this uh, kind of looks to be right up that same alley. And I'm excited for this. So uh, let me read this. Uh, let me read this description, please, if you don't mind. <clears throat> right ahead. This is this is outside of the half ounce in the composition notebook. So <laughs> it's time for Jesus to attempt his second coming. But linear time progression doesn't apply to extra spatial deities. So he ends up coming again long before his first time or before the first time. The Jurassic period. Once he arrives, expecting to see a bunch of human beings who've been waiting for him for two millennial seasons, he is surprised to find himself in a weird civilization full of thunder lizards. Mm. Jesus goes into predator mode, arming himself to the teeth and slaughtering them wholesale, trying to find someone who's capable of nailing him to a cross so he can get back home. <laughs> However, dinosaurs don't have thumbs. What they do have is the hum, a magical frequency capable of shaping the world. They have mythical metals. They have sensible social contract. They have a bizarre but seemingly decent civilization going. Mammals, however, are the most disgusting, rotten, violent things imaginable. And they seem to be evolving into something worse with the help of a little cosmic power. Something has been providing them with products that shouldn't be invented for another billion years or so from the as-seen-on-TV catalog, and they're taking full advantage of it. Who is behind this forced evolution, and what could they stand to gain? Is heaven full of heroes or gibbering lunatics? <laughs> it's up to JC to set things right and stop the apocalypse and figure out whether the universe really should be run by a bunch of insane deities, or whether it's better to wipe out heaven and let them sort it all out themselves. Action, adventure, insanity, and good old-fashioned heresy. Nice. You know, I think I, I have a prediction for this book by Michael Allen Rose. I have, I have a prediction that mm -hmm. I think this is going to replace the Bible. I think that uh, it's going to grow in popularity, uh, and mm -hmm. people will uh, believe it and follow it, and Bible will be insignificant. You know, we'll now follow Jurassic Christ. Yeah, and that, and then this could be in the hotel rooms. Yeah, and, uh, it would have place. a better. It would it would have a much better chance of keeping me from killing myself, which is what those Bibles are in hotel rooms for. They're supposed to help if people are feeling suicidal. That would not help me. Uh, but reading a entertaining book like Jurassic Christ that would help me. That would keep me alive for a little longer, at least until I finish reading it. Yeah. Um, absolutely. Um, and this is also from, uh, Perpetual Motion Machine, yes. uh, publishing. So I want to shout out to that, Ma shouts Michael Alvarez and, and Lori. Uh, Max uh, and Lori. Max yeah. and Lori and, uh, Max Booth the third, uh, and Michael being on there is awesome with them. And, and Michael also just started a, a YouTube channel about video games. So, um, when you go, it's about like, like, I get dumb video games or weird like weird games you, you're like why is this a game I guess so when you come check out his book uh, follow the link to his YouTube channel as well okay. and uh, and check out his new channel because he just does started he talk it. about your does he talk about your favorite game naked Mike Tyson F uh, dude <laughs> I'm gonna suggest he does now yeah uh, he should. I mean, and, uh, and have both of us on the episode I, I do hope he talks about the uh, 
the incredibly bizarre Atari games of Halloween and Texas Chainsaw Massacre uh, that came out in yeah. the 80s. <clears throat> so weird. Like, like, what were they thinking? You know, like Atari, like, it's not like now, like now there's games like Friday the 13th and stuff because adults play video games. But back then, the kids played video games, you know, and they're like, well, let's come out with the Texas Chainsaw Massacre game for Atari where you're Leatherface and you just go burp, 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 walk back and forth and just chainsaw people. Uh, it's just kind of it's kind of weird. And like, you know, I've watched some videos of these things like the like you can go on YouTube and look at the videos of like uh, of the gameplay. And yeah. the one of Halloween is hilarious. Like you're, you're running and if you get chased by Michael Myers, he, he just beheads you with a knife. And then there's like little like little like a little blood period of blood out. comes out yeah uh and of course it's it's all it's atari so it looks like shit you know it's uh but it's really funny everything's very cubed you know uh yeah what is it like not even 16 bit you know 8 bit yeah I yeah i don't know but maybe even pre that I, a lot of those games are just so primitive and weird looking yeah. like ghostbusters i mean there's so many of those games yeah. that are just like what the fuck but these these were particularly strange like because they were r-rated horror films that they decided to make into you know yeah. uh video games uh, when only kids played video games you know yeah it's kind, yeah, of, know. It's kind of funny but anyway yeah uh, we should ask him to do that so he, yeah he i'm sure he probably already has it on his mind being a horror fan and if he's doing this show but uh i hope so yeah i hope so yeah. very good so, uh, i guess so check it out us. it's available now yeah I guess that brings us to our next segment. Everybody's favorite. My favorite, anyway. Ridiculous Reads! Ridiculous. Ridiculous. Oh, how ridiculous. Okay, well, you know... In uh, lieu of uh, also the screw up we had with the other episode and all that kind of good stuff, I'm doing both of these this week. And then we'll get back to our usual regular programming of uh, tossing off. I mean, switching off our normal unending horror in which we live every day. (laughs) Yes, yes. Let's wait. Let's save that for another episode, though. So. Early on in this uh, series of events we call a podcast, I, I want to say even before the the Ridiculous Reads segment was invented, I said, oh, dude, I have this Bill and Ted's bogus journey novelization. Let me bust it out and read from it. And you were like, yeah, grab it. So I go to the shelf where I thought it was. Oh, right, and, I remember. And yeah, I couldn't, couldn't, find, I couldn't it. find it. I was like digging all over. I was like, where the fuck is this? So yeah. you, you pulled know, a stoner I, boner. So I know how you hate details and stories. So let me just get to the point. I didn't find it, but okay, I did find some couple other things. One, you mentioned my shirt, and I just want to reveal my shirt to you right now. All right, if you're See watching it. the video, I oh, it's Bill and Ted. It's Bill and Ted. Yeah, it took me a minute. I couldn't tell what it was. Yeah, very Wild. cool. Wild Stallions, yeah. <clears throat> this is a very cool Bill and Ted shirt that I'm wearing uh, that um, I got from the dudes in Plug Ugly this past week at Days of the Dead. I just met them, and they have awesome, badass shirts. So this shirt, I was like, dude, I got to get a Bill and Ted. And they were like, man, it's actually not 
selling as well as like some of these other ones are. We thought we'd sell a bunch of those. And I was like, man, these fucking simps don't know what the hell's going on here. Because <laughs> Bill and Ted was like the best thing that happened in this entire shitty last year that we had. So Yeah, uh, pretty much. Pretty much. What's a simp? A simp? What do you mean simpleton? Like, is that short for simpleton or something? I learned this thing from my friend Jeanette, shouts out, uh, that simps are like what you call the like the people online who like like I don't know, just don't know you but love you in weird ways and like she said like she'll have simps that will buy her dinner that's like i posted about that that's why i was like making a joke she said somebody she was like what are you somebody on her like facebook what are you doing she's like i'm just about to eat dinner like how much is it she's like 14 dollars. so they sent like just cash after money like right there oh uh, yeah like, I, I, those, I know those kind of people those yeah i know people. those i have a few of those people where i'm like yeah. it's, it's just stop just it's okay i appreciate I, it but stop i love it more more for me um <laughs> But anyway, yeah, so I was using that word all weekend because I learned what it was. So I like mm-hmm. to, you know, like to introduce it to my lexicon in many ways. But I don't so know if anyway. that really works, though, the way you used it there. Like, I know you know, it doesn't. People I, simps I, for, for I, not to buying a shirt. Yeah, yeah. And that will can mean simpleton as well. Wherever you want to go. Uh, <laughs> but they, be, they will become our simps now because mm-hmm. I'm going to uh, I was uh, organizing my closet the other day before I went out of town. Uh, which included me organizing some of my uh, boxes of comics that I have. And uh, I did find a, a most excellent comic adaptation. Oh, very cool. Of Bill and Ted's bogus journey that I got way fucking back uh, when this came out. That's so right. this uh, Marvel Comics put this out back in the day. It cost three fi- or it cost two ninety five. I'm sorry. In 1991 was when I got this. Um <clears throat> So you're going to read so. from the comic book? Hey, man, we read from a Playboy once, didn't we? Uh, yeah, drunkenly for about a minute, and then we realized it just didn't work. But a comic book, you really have to see the images. I mean, I mean, give it a shot. Let's see how it goes. I'm giving it a shot, dude, because... It'll, it'll maybe is, uh, look good on the video, but... This is awesome. Um, just This is an awesome thing to have. I was like, fuck it yeah, No, dude. it definitely is. Yeah. It's adapted and, and penciled by Evan Dorkin. So I don't know who that is, but great the, name right off the, the bat. The great, the great Dorkin. Yeah. The great Dorkin. Now, and you were you were just talking about games that are stupid. So on the first page, the advertisement that you open up to is the Bill and Ted's uh, excellent video game on oh, NES. Cool. cool. So, and I was like, oh man, I vaguely remember that because I'm sure it sucked. I'm sure it was super yeah, hard. I, I and don't remember it at all. Fairly nothing to do with the fucking, uh, yeah. you know, game itself. So. Um, but yeah, I was like, man, this this thing rules. Every most people have seen uh, seen Bill and Ted's bogus journey, but I am going to read from it. And, and I, you know, and I'm it is a comic, but I think uh, I'm going to make it work. I'm going to re- read from the part when um, they are in hell and they are just uh, now getting to meet death, and uh, the death is challenging them to a game yes. to play. So <clears throat> here's death up. Behind them, all scary and shit, and he's like, "Choose your game." And Bill's like, "Yeah, dude, stop scaring us." And Death is, says, "Remember, if you lose, you will stay here in hell forever." And Bill's like, "Jeez, lighten up already, will you?" And uh, then I, no- oh. I noticed that the Death in the comic book looks. Like an actual Grim Reaper, like skeleton. Yeah, he looks like and, a badass, not, doesn't he? He looks well. He looks like how you would picture uh, the the Reaper normally, as opposed to uh, Bill Sadler in the makeup. Yeah. 
Yeah. But yeah, it's the magic of cartoon comics, I think. But, yeah, just, I wonder if they if they did the comic before they, the, the the movie was finished or not. You know, it's like one of those things where maybe the artist was just going with the script. You know. Oh, maybe, or maybe just, that maybe. they didn't have likeness things. Who knows? Fuck. I'm sure because they had the likeness the rights. One. I mean, it's, it's the official comic book of the movie. Anyway, go go ahead, continue. Anyway, anyway, I mean, anyway. I just okay, notice that. No, so I wanted our listeners to know. That's a good point. Good point. So now we just have a, a a bunch of pictures of them, and they're playing a classic game of Battleship, and uh, you know, Death says D one, and and you know, Ted says Miss, and Bill says B three, and Death says Miss C six. Oh hit! Whoa, this is it, J seven, dude. And then Death looks really like, oh shit, face like he's like, oh fuck. And then he's like, you've sunk my battleship. And then they're like, all right. <laughs> and then you're, and then, you're, you're describing it. It's, it's funnier than the actual comic. <laughs> so they look really happy because they won. And then Bill and Bill's like, Ted's like, I knew he put it in the J's, dude. And, you know, oh, Death is like cursing. He's got curse bubbles. Like, good, good game, Ted. But then Death, like, you know, Death is a fucking little bitch. You find out he doesn't like to lose. So he's like, you must play me again. Best two out of three. And like, they're like, whoa. And he's like, yes way. No way. So then it shows them playing their next game. And uh, they really don't. Oh, they're playing Clue. Okay, I guess you don't really know. But Bill says, okay, dude, I truly believe it was Colonel Mustard in the study with the candlestick. And, oh, man, you know Death is upset because the very next panel, his mouth is open and he's shaking his hands and all of his cards are flying up in the air. And he's like, best three of five. And, like, you know they won. And he's like, I don't believe this guy. Sore loser. So then they're up. Oh, they're playing that football game that no one understands how it works. You know that one where you it, they just run around. The electric and like, game. Yeah. 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 Uh, but anyway, Death is making a lot of noises because he's he's losing, and then he loses, and they and then he's like rats. So, <laughs> and then rats. Bill Bill says best of seven, and he's like damn straight. So of course we go straight to Naked Twister, and as you can see. In this panel, Twister. no, I'm just, it's not. It's not really naked <laughs> Twister, but they're playing Twister, and of course, Death loses because he's a little bitch. They beat him, and then they're like, "Good game, Bill. Most limber display." Uh, and so now Death, he has to take him back, um, and they're like, "Very well played." And he's like, "Don't patronize me." And then it goes on from there. So uh, Death has to take him back. But was this in the? Did they take their heads off and slam dunk them in the movie? Did I? Uh, the, the robot versions of that. That's did. it. Yeah. Okay, that's yeah. why. Okay, I don't want to get to that part yet. So, yeah. So then Death has to take them. Uh, and they're like, we got to save the babes. Yeah, excellent. This way. And then they play Don't Fear the Reaper. And then, you know, and then it goes back to their stupid robots that took over. Right. <laughs> but I guess, like, I don't know if they have these anymore. Do you see these, like, for modern movies now? Uh... Aren't most movies com from comic books first anyway? Yeah, so that's like, true. Yeah, it's <laughs> like you, you only have two options when you go to the movies. Is you could see the comic book movie or you'd see like the super depressing Oscar winning movie, you know, about the woman who lives out of her van and has cancer and uh, diabetes and one leg. Uh, and she writes uh, Japanese poetry or some shit like that. You can either see that or you could see Bam Biff Pal Part 7, uh, you know, from Marvel. 
those are your options. So do they have a comic you think of that lady with cancer or? Oh, well, I'm sure of it. Yeah, absolutely. What's oh, it? What's yeah. what's it? No, Nomads Land uh, is the is the movie that I'm mocking. Uh, I'm sure there's know. a comic book of I don't it. Know. Yeah, actually, I have no idea. I mean, I, I don't. I can't remember last time I was in a comic book shop. Um, so I, if they did have comic book versions of films, I wouldn't know. Uh, but I'm sure that they do at least for these comic book movies have some sort of adaptation of the. Of the movie itself, you know, they must, dude. They have this has got like, this has got some Brad's fucking ass um, ads in it, though. Yeah. Like from back in the day. Like, look at this Three Musketeers ad in the back. It's like a comic itself. Yeah, that's all nuts looking. Pretty I like that shit. Cool. Yeah. Anyway, that was a cool. That was my ridiculous reads. But don't take my word for it. <laughs> nope. <clears throat> okay, look well, that that uh moving right along. Uh mm-hmm. that brings us to the Corey Hotline. Oh yeah. The Corey Hotline. Yeah. Okay, Corey yeah. Hotline. Now <clears throat> This the, now the um, I know we wanted to take the busy signal out, but it might come into play for it might actually be uh, uh, accurate. I received a message last night from one Splatterpunk Award winning author uh, and Splatterpunk Award nominated author Wesley Southern that mm-hmm. the core hotline wasn't working correctly. Uh-oh. So he said it wasn't in service or something. So I'm not ruling out that it was an operator error, mm-hmm. but um. I don't know. It might be full. So I, I, I promptly fell asleep and now I'm going through um, <clears throat> these. Uh, yeah, maybe the mess- you have to empty it, empty the messages or something. Maybe. Yeah. I think I think yeah. that might be it. But rest assured, by the time you're hearing this, you, you will be able to call the Corey hotline again. So mm-hmm. if you did call it, maybe you ran into some problems. Um, it's once again been brought to my attention by Splatterpunk Award winning author, Splatterpunk Award nominated author Wesley Southard. Mm-hmm. And uh I'm going to take care of it. So, and it is taken care of like that. There you go. Call, call us at 832-930-1347. That's the Corey hotline. We want to hear from you, your questions, your thoughts. Mm-hmm. Do we have any calls? We have calls. Okay. We have some calls to play. Well, let's okay. go. Let's All go, right. baby. Let's see. Um, let's just hear, uh, oh, <laughs> oh, hey, Sheila. This is Sandra, your sister. Uh, uh, Earl. Oh, oh, I'm going to ask. God damn, Earl. Okay, I'll ask her. Earl, Earl keeps asking me about the plumbing. Uh, he said he was snaking the pipes and wanted to know if you needed him to do it again. Uh, how clogged up is your sink, girl? Uh, I don't know. I asked her, Earl. Jesus. Oh, man. Um, anyway, um, so I got three pasties at work. Not really sure what the third one is. Uh, oh, I gotta go. Bye. Uh, sounds like somebody who's a plumber. Um, mm. that's not the, that's not the exact, uh, <clears throat> by the way, can't... uh, the third, Pasty is for your penis. Oh, oh, 
I, oh, okay. I well, wow. All right. No, I'm gonna have to. When we take a break, I gotta. Um. Anyway, it doesn't matter. But you're uh, yeah, wrong. Yeah. I could. Uh. You know, I don't. I don't really know any good plumbers to recommend. Um. We're not a plumbing website right now, or whatever that is. So I'm here to fix the dam the plumbing. Do, yeah. Do you have problem with on the cable? <laughs> you can imagine what happens next. Yeah. Yeah, he fixes, fixes the, the cable. cable. Yeah, <laughs> with his dick. Yeah. Anyway. All right. Next, uh, so next, next call. caller. Next caller. Hello, this is Tobias. Uh, first time caller trying this again. Um, this is for Chris and John Wayne's podcast. Um, love y'all stuff. Uh, recently, I was reading Chris's book, Full Brutal. And while I guess you could say it's kind of like dark and messed up, I found it extremely entertaining and a lot oh, of fun in a, in a very similar way that I find certain video games fun, like uh, Grand Theft Auto or Fallout or The Sims, uh, just in a way that it's just really dark and you can really do the worst kind of things in a, in a, in a safe environment that it's, it's fun. Mm-hmm. And I, I know a lot of people that enjoy a lot of, a lot of content like that from movies to books to games. And I'm just curious what you guys think. Um, why why are people drawn to that kind of content? As as people who as you guys who create that kind of content, like why why are certain people drawn to it? And then also why are certain people so pushed away by it? Like uh, last year, I uploaded my Amazon uh, wish list to a few family members, and I ended up having some weird conversations with right. people that were extremely concerned uh, for my mental health because of certain certain books I was asking for in the more extreme horror genre or even the bizarro genre. Um, just curious why uh, or what you guys think, um, why people are so attracted to that kind of content and why people are pushed away by it. Anyway, thanks. All right. Thanks, Tobias. We appreciate the call, man. Thanks, dude. Um, I'm really glad that you uh, are enjoying uh, Full Brutal or have enjoyed it. Uh, I'm not sure if you said if you finished it or not. Um, but, uh, no, I'm really glad. Thanks for checking it out, man. I, and I'm glad you like it. Um, it's definitely not for everyone. It's definitely, like the title says, it's full brutal. So, uh, as you were saying, some people like that kind of thing and some people don't. Um, I think that, like, the type of people – this is speaking for myself because I – like uh extreme horror a lot and uh i i mean i live and breathe horror um it's pretty much what i've dedicated my entire life to Uh, and i think i and i can't really pinpoint why i like it i just know that i always have i've always been drawn to all things dark uh and when it comes to the extreme stuff i like it because uh how limitless it is um and it irritates me when some people think that something should be taboo, particularly in horror. Uh, the, the definition of the word horror is to frighten and to, and disturb, you know? Uh, and so for people to say, oh, well, you can't put that in, in, a, in a book that's horror. I'm like, no, shut up. Get back to your panic room. You're a pussy. You know, I, I'm not here to give trigger warnings to everyone. You know, this is a horror story. You should know that you're getting into things that could upset you. You know, we, we, the whole world doesn't need to tiptoe around you, you know. Um, but the people that are uh, disturbed by it or, or like, you know, these people who 
will see your wish list, for example, and no offense to, to, to those people in your family, but, you know, they see that stuff and they think, oh, God, there must be something wrong with Tobias, that, you know, like that he wants to read this stuff. Uh, they just they just simply do not get it, you know, um, and this isn't an insult to their intelligence. Uh, that's not how I mean it, um, but they are ignorant to the uh, to the uh, horror fans uh, perspective because because we want to read about uh, horrific things doesn't mean we want them to happen. There's a, 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 a gigantic, colossal difference between fiction and reality. And I find it particularly annoying and odious when when people come to that uh, assumption that, oh, because he writes this stuff, because he watches these movies or, or whatever, that he must want these things to happen. It's, it's a, a simplistic uh, way of thinking, and it shows a person's complete lack of imagination uh, that they can't comprehend anything that isn't real. Um, so though that's my two cents on it. Uh, but I do relate uh, uh, to uh, to what you're saying because there's been times like you know when I was married, um, my wife's family would always ask me what I wanted for Christmas, you know. And so I would just make up a list of books. I figured that was the easiest thing. And some, and like sometimes my wife was like, "No, you can't put that book on there for my grandparents to get you." And I'm like, "Well, you know, they don't have to pick that one. They can pick any of them." And I remember this is funny. One time I had a book called "If Bones Rained from the Sky," and my wife was like, "No, no, you can't put that in there just for the title alone." I'm like, no, "Stop it! That book is about." deepening our connection with dogs <laughs> like it's not a horror book at all but just from the title she immediately assumed you know mm -hmm. that it was some you know ultra violent edward lee jack ketchum thing you know but uh anyway i i kind of rambled for a minute there thank you for uh, le letting me john wayne it's your turn to answer the same question yeah oh yeah there was a couple couple of times i i held back my catchphrases there but i, um, I do appreciate that mm -hmm. um uh, why people are drawn. So I, you know, for me, I've talked about this, you know, I've been like a, you know, I started off as a giant pussy still pretty much am, I guess, but I was so frightened by stuff like this, but I think it was just, I had a lack of understanding and I, I kind of came up in a weird way, but I was drawn to it still even being because I, because it was taboo, because I was scared of it, because it pulled that reaction out of me. I wanted that more for some reason. So I would go back and try to watch things and watch, you know, I didn't just watch up all night for the titties mostly, but, you know, I would watch it for the <laughs> yeah. to get to have a little boner. But also, you know, because there would be like it was a horror movie with titties mm -hmm. in it. But then and then I grew up to find just that's pretty much all horror movies. So, yeah. you know, uh, but no, I, I lesser you know, today you, than they were. Yeah. Then, oh, but, yeah, 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 absolutely. The prudes but have I, kind of ruined it. But. The prudes have the prudes rule now. Rule yeah. of school, no kissing. Um, <laughs> no, that was but, your rule. I know. I'm I'm one of the prudes now. I'm a prude yeah. dude. Uh, but yeah, it, you're. I think a lot of people are drawn are just drawn to what what scares them. Like it's uh, that's what that's kind of what people like about it. And there's some people that can't grasp that. Like you said, it's just like it's it's so black and white for them. That's like this equals bad like it's like the lowest common denominator like kind of what you were saying like they can't get over the fact that you know if it's like if x then b because if you listen to marilyn manson you obviously are a school shooter like that's what right, some of these right. people like that's really what it boils down to that's their one-to-one -one a lot of times and yeah. we and, and it sounds like extreme but more often than not like i know more off 
people like that are that is exactly what it is like there yeah. is no and it's and you can't wrap your mind around it it's so baffling but that you know what i just have to take away and, and step away and say like it's just not for them so yeah. therefore like they they absolutely should not be commenting on it first of all but because but it's not for, it's, it's not for point. them yeah. anyway it's not for them you know yeah. i'm not you know if i get on the my you know whatever my platform is and start espouting my fucking you know take on you know genesis 28 7 or whatever the fuck and you know i'm not qualified that's not for me so therefore why would i even comment on it i i have yeah. no it's it's not my ballpark you know i'm just i'd be ignorant to speak on something i didn't understand and to have such a you know firm or a firm stand on something that i had no understanding of so like it's, your opinion on mandy absolutely <laughs> and so it, but yeah it is uh it's just uh it's it's just some people dude i guess like to answer like tobias's question they're just never gonna they're just uh never gonna get it never gonna get it never gonna get it <laughs> never gonna get it never gonna get it never gonna get it and they're never going to and because they don't want to anyway so it's best just to let them be like like you know just be like then like in the craft like lady we are those weirdos you know that's what i like to say so yeah. you know and when it comes to your family let them worry yeah, it's better that way. <laughs> oh, good. All right, well, thanks for the call, Tobias. Appreciate it, man. Good question, too. Good question. Yeah. Yeah, more questions like that if you have them. Yes. So, all right. That's what we like, folks. We like questions, and we like you to just, you know, give us something we can engage in. Give us a... Sorry, I've had a light adjustment I'm trying to make here. Give us the claw. Um, all right, here's, the, uh, here's our next, uh, next call. Hey guys, it's Christy Whiskey again. So I just watched this 30-minute horror movie thingy with Corey Feldman in it called Splatter. I'm sure you guys have seen it. But if y'all yes. haven't, or if y'all have, what are your thoughts on it? Shut the fuck up! <laughs> anyway, what's your thoughts on that? Um, Barb, say hello. Yeah, Barb. Okay, hello. love you guys. Bye. Oh, wait. Christopher Sharana, come to Houston so I can do some intern work for you, too. Or I'll fly up there, maybe. One All right. Day. Anyways, bye. Bye, Christy. Thanks. Thank you, Christy. Uh, yeah, I, I've seen Splatter. Have you seen it? I don't know. I don't think <laughs> I have, but it might be one of those things that I just don't recall. What's it? What? Give me the lowdown. Oh, it's just like this short horror film that Corey Feldman made a couple of years back. Um, and I barely remember what happened in it because it was it was on netflix like maybe six seven years ago and i watched it and it was it was just not good it was just really bad really poorly made and yeah um and i yeah i, I think he plays a, a rock star in it but i might be remembering it wrong i just remember it wasn't good but i have seen it i have seen yeah. it yeah yeah damn I'm gonna have to make. I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to go back and watch it or find it somewhere so I can comment on it next time. Yeah. But um, I definitely will. That's Christy. She's always like fucking on the. Go, you know, she always has our best interest at heart. She's at going, yeah, you know, taking that. in deep diving into the Corys, and uh, and that definitely rules. Oh, speaking of the Corys, I, I I know I remembered. I told you this on the last one that got uh, trashed, but when I was in uh, Nashville 
these people came into my booth and this the dude had this shirt on and I was trying to look at what it said on the front. And it looked like it said Frog Brothers, but I couldn't quite tell. We were talking, we we're talking, and then he, you know, they walked away and I saw on the back, you know, it was like this cool ass like Frog Brothers thing with the Corys and I like ran up to him. I was like, dude, 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 you man, I love the Corys and we have the show and all this <laughs> stuff. And uh and yeah, and then they um uh he was like, Oh, that's so cool. And then I I got like a fucking message later that night from from someone that was like hey man that was a you know i'm so-and-so's dad i made that shirt for him i'm gonna make you one and and send it to you and i was like oh shit dude so fuck yeah so he messaged me while i was out on the road and said he it's 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 in the mail dude so once i get it uh i'll be rocking it man it's gonna be uh, awesome so uh so shouts out and so the Corey hotline i'm gonna watch that so i can comment on it thank you christy uh thank you barb in the background uh love you Give us a call. Maybe you can call where you don't call. Just yell in the background and you have your mm-hmm. own call, too. Yeah, yeah. So, but that's it for this week for the Corey Hotline. Uh, again, give us a call. It's 832-930-1347. 832-930-1347. Give us a ringy-ding-ding. Ding-a-dong. Hey, baby. <laughs> All right. Well, I think we can uh, move right into this week's topic, which I'm very excited to talk about. Yeah, uh, uh, absolutely. Okay, folks. So this week's topic, which is one, two, three, four. Short stories. Talking today about short stories. We're talking about short stories. Yes. Ones we uh, like, ones that made us. Yep. Yeah, uh, the ones that made us. Uh, yeah, we're talking about, uh, you know, what we consider some of the best short stories, our personal favorites, um, and the you know history of horror stories and other stories, too, and also what makes a good story and how it is crafted, um, how John Wayne and I go about our own ways of, uh, you know, uh, writing short stories and the challenges that it poses compared to writing longer works like novellas and novels. So let's get right into some of that, huh? How do you like that? Let's do it. How do you like right. them apples? I like it. Uh, I'm ready, dude. <clears throat> this is an exciting good. topic. Yeah, um, it is. Uh, so, I mean, we could start by talking about like stuff from our childhood, like scary stories to tell in the dark and things like that. Uh, but I really wanted to get into more of like the meat of adult short stories so we can talk about how they're crafted. Um, but I definitely did grow up with you know scary stories tell in the dark and other things like that that kind of got me into uh short stories and then as i grew older of course i um very much enjoyed night shift and skeleton crew by stephen king which are still remain two of the greatest short story collections in the history of horror fiction in my personal opinion and from there uh moved on to clive barker's books of blood which is another one that I think is essential reading for any horror fan or horror writer, especially. Um, how about you? What was what ones really pulled you in to start with? Um, well, <clears throat> I, uh, the one short story that I remember that really affected me in, I guess, a lot of ways was I was, I, I think, in middle school or elementary school and it's like a substitute teacher read this out loud to us Mm -hmm. like i'm gonna read you guys this cool story and uh well it was it a penthouse letter (laughs) i'm getting to it it's a huge (laughs) amount of um 
No, it was a story that uh, was called Rain, Rain, Go Away by Isaac Asimov. Ah. Yes. And I, I'm not sure if you read that story. No, but I know Isaac Asimov. But no, I've not read that particular story. Yeah. Okay. Like so, like a real quick rundown of the story. It's it's a famous old story, or I guess not that famous, but it's 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 old. No spoiler alert. But this family moves to town. It's you know, uh, and they keep to themselves this new family. And it's like you're seeing it through like the nosy neighbor is like, what's wrong with these people? What's wrong with this family? And uh, they finally end up coming out to the like the the neighborhood barbecue. And they refuse to eat anything but cotton candy. Like they're eating that and they won't eat the burgers. They won't drink the sodas or anything. And then like this storm starts coming in all these clouds and they start panicking and they get in their car and drive home. And as soon as they get out, it starts to sprinkle. And before they get to their door, they melt it into a pile of sugar because they were made of sugar. Like ah. <clears throat> like the neighbors like, what are they in such a hurry for? What are they afraid that they're, they are? They made of sugar and afraid that. <gasps> melts and like they are <laughs> so and like their last name was sakaro and it was spelled s-a-k-k-a-r-o like which was a play on saccharin which is yeah sugar you know mm-hmm. like in the late like she explained that all to us after the thing and i was just like wow that's rad <laughs> i was just like yeah. man so that i don't know that was when we when we when you said short stories that was one of the first short stories that i can remember having like such an effect on me of course i read scary stories telling the dark and shit but you know but this was i was a kid but still um that and then i and also from my kid days i i I know this is like a collection but this i think this counts for me the sideways stories from wayside school oh yeah yeah we we talked about those uh when we when yeah yeah, when we talked about our childhood and stuff yeah yeah i just wanted to bring that up again because these are all just short weird stories that Mm -hmm. just are just uh a good thing but moving on like to to like more adult stuff i guess i also i do need to shout out shell silverstein because even though those were like the poems and the light in the attic and and where the sidewalk ends they're still still like stories yeah Yeah. very compact stories like you just remember those characters you know can i go to school today it's a little piggy mdk peanut butter sandwich all that shit Mm -hmm. those were like short stories so that also i think was like bouncing around in my brain but you know Richard Matheson is my gonna be my all time favorite short story, oh, yeah. you know, Absolutely. writer. As far Absolutely. as stuff like uh, Button Button being a story that really captured my imagination mm-hmm. and you know was made into a Twilight Zone episode as, yeah. as well. One of one um, of his most one of his most favorite famous stories. Yeah, that one and like you know he but he he did like tear it twenty thousand feet or whatever as well. I guess like oh yeah, there, there's yeah there's many many <clears throat> Twilight Zone episodes that are based on Matheson's work. Many, many, many. Yeah. Um, but no, he's an excellent, excellent writer. And yeah, I absolutely agree. He, you know, came out with uh, those different volumes called Shock uh, that uh, I had when I was younger. And uh, I absolutely loved those. And then there were other collections that had some of those in them uh, that came out. Like, you know, there's an edition of I Am Legend that I have that that comes with like all these short stories yeah. in the two. Uh, but no, he was absolutely excellent. Um, as, as for... Uh, uh, the King and Barker stuff, like when I was younger, I was, you know, when I was a younger teenager, 14 or so, and I got into reading King, um, there are a lot of stories that I remember really striking me. Um, I Am the Doorway is one of them. Uh, Night Surf is another one. Night Surf like had this like real punk vibe to it that I thought was really cool. Um, Quitters Incorporated, I absolutely love. Um, and that was, of course, turned into a film for a segment in Cat's Eye. Um, and, you know, about the guy, uh, 
James Woods plays him, everybody's favorite uh, actor, James Woods. Uh, uh, but uh, yeah, I, I know, I know. But it's, it's but it's really it's a really cool concept. Is you know, Quitters Incorporated, they help you quit smoking uh, by basically stalking and threatening you. Like, okay, we catch you smoking, and we're going to torture your wife. You know, or we're going to yeah. rape her or whatever. You know, and like, so it's like it gets you to quit. You know, right. uh, uh, Survivor type is another story of 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 his that really like. It really blew my mind when I read it. I was, you know, like 14 years old. And, you know, this guy is a, is a surgeon um, and he's gets stuck on a deserted island. And he, uh, in order to survive, he starts cutting off pieces of himself and eating himself in order to survive. It's, it's absolutely <clears throat> mortifying, you know. Damn, um, yeah. One of King's more uh, famous or more celebrated uh, stories is The Reach. And I remember liking that one when I first read it, uh, but I reread it not too long ago and I was like, yeah, I don't, it just didn't strike me as much, but I can see how it's like a touching horror story. It's uh, uh, very emotional. Uh, so I, I can get why a lot of people celebrate it. Um, of course the raft, I love the raft and that's, uh, was immortalized with horror fans in the creep show too. Uh, but the, I love that segment. It's my favorite segment in all of the creep show films. That, um, one, is, that one is the best. Yeah, it's absolutely great, and uh, but the the short story is is exceptional too, and I um, really love that. Uh, as for uh, Barker, of course, you know the books of blood are fantastic, and he also has you know collections of his plays, which aren't short stories in form, but they can be read relatively uh, quickly uh, and play out almost like you know almost like a short story, and I, I enjoy those very much. One one story of his in particular. Uh, which is often uh, cited as far as uh, great horror uh, short stories. And I definitely agree is in the Hills, the cities. Um, I'm not sure if you ever read that particular story of his, uh, but it's really oh, Stephen it's, King. No, Clive Barker. I'm talking about <clears throat> Barker now. Um, oh. in the Hills, the cities uh, it's from, I forget which volume it's from, but it's from one of the books of bloods. I believe it's the third volume. Um, mm. Absolutely incredible. Uh, story about these you know these this this young you know gay couple who come to this small town and uh these this town has this kind of ritual where they have these two battling like these battling giants i i guess you would say um but what they do is the townspeople form the giants themselves like they kind of create these human pyramids and like are linked together to make this giant monstrosity uh it's absolutely insane oh yeah i i've read yeah i remember that one yeah, yeah. great great story uh so uh barker really expanded my imagination whereas like king really grabbed me with these good scary stuff barker took it to a, another uh well not another level i'm not saying he's better than king i i, I think that they're very different uh he took it to a different level uh, a no, whole other layer of horror that was more cosmic in in concept um mm. that i that i really really dug um and then speaking of uh cosmic horror uh we did our last show um that aired anyway was about lovecraft um and i wanted to mention this because i recently uh got this uh which i ordered after we did this show because i had um a good amount of lovecraft stuff a couple of different volumes in my library but i didn't have everything and and this is kind of what i was telling you about um like the the amount of stuff that he wrote is i got this i got the complete 
uh, fiction of H.P. Lovecraft. So this is all of his fiction he ever wrote. And you can see it's a big, fat book. Oh, wow. But it's not like he wasn't super prolific like we were, like we were talking about. Um, like this book is shorter than Stephen King's It. You know, so like every bit of fiction that Lovecraft wrote um, is fits in this like thousand page tome. Um, right. But anyway, uh, I thought, you know, I'm, I'm excited about owning that because I now have everything of his. Yeah. Uh, and he definitely wrote some short stories that are that I consider some of the, uh, the essentials of horror fiction. Um, you know, The Rats in the Walls, which I mentioned on the last show, I think is probably his best short story that I've read uh, right up there with, you know, Call of Cthulhu, which is really good. Uh, Cthulhu, I think is exceptional because of the way it's written. There's many great phrases and quotes taken from it. Um, but one of the ones that I, that I didn't mention on the show and I was kicking myself for not mentioning it. Uh, so I wanted to bring it up on this one uh, is the music of Eric Zahn. And I don't know if you've ever read that particular one, the music no, I... of Eric Zahn. No, I don't um, think so. Well, it's about a, a guy moves into uh, this this strange boarding house, uh, and on the top floor is this man named Eric Zahn who plays a violin. Uh, and uh, the 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 narrator, the story, hears him playing in the middle of the night, uh, and the notes just sound beautiful, but they don't sound like any note that he's ever heard before. Like he's reaching notes that don't exist in in sound in music mm -hmm. uh, just in sound in general uh and it's it's a really really creepy story and it's actually one of uh, lovecraft's shorter short stories you know like if you compare it to something like the whisperer in darkness which seems to go on forever that fucking story um this one's you know he keeps it pithy and i think that that works that's uh uh beneficial to lovecraft because sometimes in his longer works it drags it, yeah uh, he's he can get wordy a lot of times in some of them yeah, i think yeah I, I mean yeah he does he just throw like the 10 cent words around uh sometimes but no i mean just like a lot like a lot of words that maybe aren't yeah. as necessary to the narrative right. you know that's right. what i mean it gets dense in those parts like you were talking about it does it get, like, yeah it, yeah it does it gets dense and like i mentioned whisper in the darkness that's a very repetitive book it's like the i mean story uh it's basically comprised of these two men just writing letters back and forth uh, and it just goes on like that um but he doesn't even give you like the two different perspectives you know it's all from the one point of view of the narrator but yeah. anyway um uh he definitely has some of those stories that are classic horror short stories um and also of course Edgar Allan Poe has some great ones as well um of course the Telltale Heart is you know like a masterpiece that everyone knows uh but there's other ones that he has one that i think is my particular favorite is the black cat i don't know if you remember that particular one um but it's similar to telltale heart in what happens you know he deals with that dostoevsky style uh uh concept of guilt eating away at someone and uh you know like they get away with a crime like in telltale heart he gets away with the crime but the guilt drives him insane and you know and yeah. so he confesses when he hears the hideous heart beating uh black cat has a similar kind of thing but uh the, the black cat is uh like almost a, it's a ghostly presence that gives away what the guy did i uh, love that story definitely i think that's his creepiest story yeah and when i was in um 
fifth grade when I first got into my tier four class, which was, you know, the gifted and talented, whatever, two, la la. two grades above. That was the first, like, introduction to, like, I guess Poe in a way that like here's some of what he wrote and she like because she would read to our teacher would read to us all the time like uh, she read the like <clears throat> like the Lord of the Rings to us like out loud and we always had reading time all kinds of shit but she read the uh, the Raven you know and she you know she she was such a good reader like for us and it was just like very creepy and like quote the Raven yeah. like all that she was that was minor so I, that was that short story. Uh, of his definitely got me into it. I know it's kind of like, well, everyone knows that dude, but it's like, well, I don't know. I was what well, nine yeah, or something, yeah, you know? That, was... Yeah, that's your introduction. That's nothing wrong with that. It's a classic. It's a classic poem. Um, uh, uh, yeah, Tale of Terror. You know. Let um, me ask you that: what you think about this? Because uh, I don't know how this falls on your scale because it's not necessarily horror, but the rhyme of the ancient mariner, the Samuel Coleridge poem story, um, based, based on the Iron Maiden song. Yeah, exactly. Uh, <laughs> um, but uh, that's always, goddamn you! That's always been a favorite story of mine. Like no, you know, that you read in like uh, you know, I I, in, I read in my English classes. You know, you're trying to be smart and stuff. But like that affected me. The whole albatross around your neck, like that was something I thought about all the time, like all yeah. the time. That story. Yeah. So that was just I know I, mean, I know it's more of a poem, I guess. But well, that's a, yeah. I mean, still. If, if we're you know, getting down to semantics of, of storytelling structure, it is. But I still, like we were saying with Silverstein and Poe, I would consider it a story because if if it's a long form poem and it's telling you a, a beginning, middle, and end story, I mean, it's a, it's a short story as well. You know, it's mm -hmm. just a lyrical one. Um, so yeah, no, I I would definitely include that. Cool. Um, <clears throat> so as I got older, um, well, well, let me say this. I think. Uh, the important thing with a short story is you have a limited amount of of space to work with. Um, you know, once you get higher than five, six thousand words, you're, you're getting a little bit long to call it a short story. Uh, so you have to be the, the 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 thing about a short story is you want it to grab you immediately. Uh, it's always good to have anything you write to grab someone immediately. You know, you want a great opening line, but it's even more crucial, I think, in a short story uh, because you don't have time to kind of get into all of this exposition. You know, you need to just be like, boom, here, yeah. whoop, there it is, you know, just get right into it. Um, so the story needs to be already in motion as when you jump into it. It already has to be going on. Um, yeah. We don't and need I the think, full background. We don't need to hear how about the, how the thief killed Uncle Ben and if you would have stopped him. Yeah, we don't need, yeah, to, we we don't, don't need to know all that. We don't need to hear about how you were listening to Guns N' Roses in the car and then you were playing your guitar in the hotel. Okay. Hold Just on, because we'll that. comment on that later. But. <laughs> uh, no, I, I'm just busting balls, you know. Uh, but no, you, you, need it to, you need it to roll quickly and you need to stick to a, a, a small cast of characters. Um, you know, you, yeah. there's no room to, to bring in uh, these big, big characters. And uh, the way that I think um, uh, that I think, you know, some of these stories that I've mentioned uh, pull it off is, is fantastic because it's horror. So you have to, uh, you know, the ones I mentioned anyway, uh, were, were horror, Lovecraft, King, etc. Uh, and so you have a short amount of time to scare someone. Uh, and so that poses challenges as opposed to having all the room in the world and to write some 500 page, you know, 
uh, or right, Western exactly. werewolf story. You know, you have, a, you have a lot more opportunities. So usually with a horror short story, you pick like one scary thing that happens and you build the story around mm -hmm. that. And King did that expertly, as did Barker and sometimes uh, Lovecraft. <laughs> right. You were going to say something? No. Oh, okay. You no. No, I was just uh, I was not. I think I was nodding along with you. Okay. Like, okay. Yes. That's cool. Yeah, um, it is cool. It's it's so cool. Uh, yeah, yeah, you have to get in there. You have to grab it and and like I don't know if we're getting into the the writing side of it. All like usually having a word limit is one thing to consider uh, in these things, but also like it's easier to spit it all out and then kind of narrow it down as long but not from a 500 page thing but oh, of course like not. uh like I, I i always find it gets a little distracting to write from the point of like i gotta cut this off at, at if that becomes my focus like at 1200 words this has got to stop and then i'm looking at the thing and stuff like that you know nah, yeah i never do that i never you gotta shave it down you know from what you i mean unless there, I unless i'm deliberately going for it like to write something for a a submission and like you know they, they have a limit on it that then i i don't like to constrain the story i like to just let it go and let it decide what if it's going to become longer than a short story because that's happened to me where i've like oh this will be uh, an, a novella uh you know most recently the night stalkers when ryan and i first started working on that they're like oh well this will be like a fun novella and it turned into a novel because we just we had more story to tell so yeah i, I don't like to put uh borders on on anything um but doctors Yes, uh, but you, but sometimes, like like I said, you you've got a, a limit of how much you can put in there because of what the publisher wants, mm -hmm. you know. So, uh, but uh, yeah, like like you know, I just submitted a story. I was telling you briefly um, today, and you know, there's a limit of uh, six thousand words. So you know me, it was uh, <laughs> you know fifty nine hundred. <laughs> yeah, nine hundred ninety nine. Yeah, and but, but I mean, like the last the last five hundred words is just screw Flanders over and over again. <laughs> nice, <laughs> nice. No. Uh, but uh, you know, like like but speaking of um, of the structure, and like I mentioned, uh, the bringing up of too many characters. This is a good example of this. Is uh, 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 the friend of mine? She wanted me to read her um, uh, debate or read a short story that uh, she'd written uh, just recently. So I did that. It was just like yesterday. Um, and so I went through it and she, it, it, it was a good story, uh, but there were a couple of suggestions that I made. Like for one thing, it's a horror story and it was a couple of pages before we got to anything that was scary. And I was like, no, you, if you have a horror story, you want it to be scary right from the beginning. You want it to be, to, to, you want the reader to know that's what they're getting. If they pick it up, like, and it's a horror book and horror anthology and they're not like getting any horror from the first couple of pages, they're going to feel ripped off and they're not going to finish it. Um, so I, I advise, you know, she has these great nightmare sequences that come a little later. So I said, okay, you don't need to give away this long nightmare sequence, but give a little teaser of it at the beginning of the story, like a condensed version of what we're going to get later. Uh, the other thing is that she had, um, you know, the, this main character, this woman, uh, who's an older woman. So she has, uh, you know, uh, sons, daughters, grandchildren and stuff. And they're the opening scene. They're like all together and talking, just going through the minutiae everyday life. And I was like, cut this entirely because you're introducing all these characters and you're giving the reader the idea that these characters matter, that you need to pay attention to them. But we never see them again. You know, they're, they're just it's like just you could just say that she has a family. You don't need to 
give us this scene and show them all together because it, it's meaningless. You know, it doesn't go anywhere. Um, so whether or not uh, she was really a, a very uh, responsive to it and like the, the feedback, you know, but whether or not she does that, it will be up to her because these are just my suggestions. But this is the kind of stuff I was, you know, this is just an example of like what I was talking about. <clears throat> yeah. Uh, I, I had like, um, like an ultimate, like short story, like, I don't know. I don't know, boot camp or I don't know what it was, but just writing for grown up story time for all those years. I have like over a hundred of these stories that they use that are stories like from my life, like creative nonfiction stories where crazy shit happens. And it's just a, it was a matter of like going to the show a couple of times and, and, and seeing what worked and didn't work. And then I knew exactly how to write to that show like that. It just clicked in, you know, I was like, yeah. okay, you don't want to put any dialogue. People don't do that. Okay. This, that we get here this is where the laughs are. These are where the beats are. Boom, boom, boom. And like once I, you know, there, so there are certain things that it's like, I can write to this when you're writing short stories that that's like, I guess the, the flip side of just sitting down to like, start to write whatever right, right. type of thing. So I wrote so many of those <clears throat> because contrary to, to Chris's belief, I can put together uh, stories of my day and, and make it interesting um, and, and, and include Guns N' Roses in the mix mm -hmm. as well. Mm -hmm. uh, by the way, dude, we should get some Cat House t-shirts. I looked those up. We should get those when we do our, our, our hair metal uh, show. But, yeah. <laughs> um, anyway. Um, yeah, so I wrote a, so many of those that it was uh, it became that formula and sometimes that it all does break down into a formula in your head. When you're writing a short story, right. uh, not maybe not even a, a conscious one that you're thinking of, but enough practice of anything, it, it gets just ingrained in there. You don't yeah. have to think about that flow, or you you know what I mean. So, yeah, I, I, I guess so. Um, I did want to mention. I did want to backtrack a little bit and say that um, when I said you want like with a short story that's horror that you need to start it with horror. I don't mean that you have to like start with and is the guy's head came off. You know, it doesn't need to start like that. Um, but you need to have atmosphere, you know, you could have, uh, nothing necessarily happen. That's horrific. No one die, no monster, but you can still give us a creepy atmosphere, even just to something as simple as describing like, you know, a fog that moves in overnight or something, just create that atmosphere. And it doesn't have to be about the fog, the story, like it just could just be setting the mood, you know, um, don't forget. How does it smell? What is it? Don't just remember, right. like like you said, it, it could start creepy. You don't just have to say what it looked like. You know what yes. what else is happening in, that yeah. makes it creepy. Yeah, exactly. Um, so more examples of that. Other uh, horror stories, I, and not just horror stories, but other short stories uh, that I got into as I got a little bit older. Um, some of the writers that I discovered, uh, like here's a. Uh, Here's a good one. I'm just trying to... I have a stack of them here. Uh, one of my favorites is uh, Tales of Ordinary Madness by Charles Bukowski. An mm. excellent collection of short stories, and it was a great gateway drug for me when it came to reading Bukowski's stuff, uh, getting into his novels and his poems. Uh, and Tales of Ordinary Madness continues to be my favorite uh, Bukowski book, and I'm probably you know biased because it was my first one. And when you first read Bukowski, it's just like it's kind of a mind-blowing experience if you haven't read anything like that before because uh, of you know how groundbreaking his work was and you mentioned stories from life like most of his book most of his stories are very autobiographical or based upon himself in some way um so he has that uh 
he has that kind of aspect too, where he has these stories that are fiction, but not necessarily, you know, anything fantastical like H.P. Lovecraft would write. They're more based in down to earth stories, but could be equally horrific. In fact, one of um, one of my favorite stories in this book is titled Rape Rape. Uh, and it's just a, a really well written story. And no, it's does, not. It doesn't bury it, the lead at all, dude. It's like, <laughs> no, well, it, well, it does it. It's, it's, it's called rape exclamation point, rape exclamation point is how it's written. And what it is, is in the story, a woman cries rape, uh, not necessarily. There's no actual rape in the story, but a woman cries rape. Uh, and he's caught in the middle of it. And it's just a, a really, really good story that's just dark and funny and, you know, just has crazy characters in it. That's, that's a, a genuine theme uh, to Bukowski's stuff is just people that are fucked in the head and drunks and drug addicts and lunatics and hence the title Tales of Ordinary Madness. So this yeah. is one of my favorite short story collections that I highly recommend uh, along with uh, the ones I mentioned before, Skeleton Crew by King. Uh, Books of Blood by Barker. Uh, so if if you got your pen and paper ready, folks, I, these I'm going to be listing these books that I highly recommend if you're interested in reading great short stories and if you're interested in learning to write them. The best way to learn is to by reading really good short stories. Always. Do you um, have one you want to bring up? Well, yeah, I was going to say like uh, the uh, I wanted to make sure I got the name correctly. What the Walking Alone short stories collection by Bentley Little. Ah, they're yes. like there's yeah. old stories from like 1985 1986 uh those he's very he's very good at a lot of things in the way he writes but these old stories are, are very abrupt in uh, the way they begin and end and mm -hmm. a lot of them are the the what is terrifying or what is so bad about them or you know the, the impending that what makes them so filled with doom is just implied it's just like a quietly implied thing right. that 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 he never comes out and says in any of these stories. Like, mm -hmm. you know, other stories, you, you get to his books, you know, there's a lot of things that are like, and he's a vampire, you know, for, yeah, you know yeah. which is fine, which is good. But these stories are not like that. These mm -hmm. these stories are like just just that quiet, implied terror that. Mm -hmm. is uh he's very good at crafting so like that it's good to go back and read those like i'm revisiting those stories and be like man that's so good the way he does yeah. that oh uh, yeah you know, he's he's a real master of the craft of horror fiction uh and yeah his his book is actually called the collection uh is a great book of short stories yeah um, i have that one as well yeah uh, yeah too. yeah 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 he has, he has other ones but I, I really like that one there's actually i, I actually have on my list um of favorite short stories one of his uh called llama and it's in the collection. Uh, I don't really want to even say what it's about because it's so different and so yeah. good um, that if you want to read a, a, a great example of an excellent horror story that's short and still manages to be really disturbing, uh, Llama by Bentley Little, um, definitely check that out. Mm. Um, moving along, uh, some other ones that I got into, of course, uh, can't can't go without Mr. Joe R. Lansdale and his book by Bizarre Hands, uh, which is an excellent collection of weird uh, horror uh, short stories of his. Um, it also has two of my favorite Lansdale stories ever. Uh, one of them is the titular, the titular the track uh, by Bizarre Hands, which uh, I wanted to read just the opening of the, the, just the opening of by Bizarre Hands, the short story, because I, this is a great example of how to grab someone 
uh, right right from the start. So this is the the opening line of uh, "By Bizarre Hands" by Joe Lansdale. When the traveling preacher heard about the widow case and her retarded girl, he set out in his black dodge to get over there before Halloween night. Now that's one sentence. And already I'm immediately enthralled. I'm going to repeat it. When the traveling preacher heard about the widow case and her retarded girl, he set out in his black dodge to get over there before Halloween night. I mean, there's so much going on in there. Yeah. Yeah. Adding, you know, like, like there's a traveling preacher, which is already, you know, like a, a bizarre kind of character. Uh, but he hears about a woman who just became a widow and has a, a, a daughter who is, you know, it's re- retarded, you know, retardation, um, or how, whatever the PC term is now. Um, and, uh, and so like he, he gets like, he's excited about this and he wants to go see her. Uh, yeah. and he, but he has to get there before Halloween night for some reason. So all of that just grabs you right away. Uh, I, I really think that's a fine example of how you grab someone right from the get-go. Uh, mm-hmm. That's that's a great story in here. There's many great stories in here. Another one that's really something is uh, it's called Tight Little Stitches in a Dead Man's Back, uh, which is a way to pull you in just with a title. Yeah, that sounds um, sexy as fuck, dude. Yeah, it's uh, it's <laughs> it's really it's a good story. I, I don't know if I would call it sexy, but uh, it's really good. Tight Little Stitches in a Dead Man's Back. That could yeah. also be like a warrant song or something or you know like poisons like I, i'm reading this <laughs> I book think you right? just have this uh, yeah you just have hair metal on the brain dude yeah, i think yeah, title stitches in a dead man's back would be more of a cannibal corpse song or something it could be but think yeah. about like <laughs> i'm just putting those title stitches in a dead man's back like it could be something like that you know but you know yeah i just think you have hair metal on the brain because you're reading that book but uh there's nothing wrong with having hair metal on the brain. Um, uh, so, yes, yeah, some other ones uh, that I got into. Um, there's a there's an author, a little-known author. This is one of those guys that just, like, nobody has read his stuff. Uh, so I always like to introduce them. It's a guy named uh, Don Bajima. And Don Bajima was, like, a spoken word artist, but he was also, like, a big fitness enthusiast. You know, he was, like, uh, a bodybuilder coach uh, and a pole vaulter as well and he wrote two books that were loosely based on things that happened to him in his life some of them are straight up fiction uh but the two books one is called boy in the air and the other one is called reach and these books came out in the 90s and were actually published by 21361 publications which was henry rollins's press shouts Um, out henry rollins Yep. Uh, Rollins only puts out his own work through that press now, but there was a time when he put out books by other people, and one of them was Don Bajima. Now, those two books remain the only books that Bajima ever published, uh, and they were two short books of short stories uh, that have since been reprinted and put into a collection called Winged Shoes and a Shield. So you can get both those books. I have both of them from back in the day, uh, but then I also bought this, which is uh, the full collection, Winged Shoes and a Shield. Oh, cool. Um, so you can get that, uh, where you can get everything all together. And one of the stories that I'll always, I mean, they're, they're just great books that you, every story in there is great, but, uh, there's one in there that really stood out to me when I was a teenager and I first read it and it's a story called Whopper. Uh, it's about a kid in his neighborhood when they were growing up who just always told lies. And so they called him Whopper cause he was always telling these whopping lies. Yeah, uh, yeah. but 
there's so there's a part in about that, but then it's also about him and his brother and how they hated each other and like were just really shitty to each other. But uh, his older brother decides to, that he wants to play this prank on him, so he starts to be really nice to him and like really like for a long time, like for I think it was weeks at a time. He's like he's just being really nice to him and trying to patch things up and being really kind to him and earning his trust. Just so he can portray him in this horrible, horrible prank that he pulls. Oh shit! Yeah, and so it's, and I don't even want to say what it is, but it's a great fucking story, uh, and uh, really, really manages to uh, cinch the ending. The ending is extremely dark and and unexpected. Uh, so I really like that that guy. Uh, another one. Speaking of two thirteen sixty one, that I got into is the, this book here called this the consumer by m gyra and m gyra is michael gyra of the swans and angels of light uh the front man for those bands uh and anyone who knows those bands knows how dark their songs are extremely dark um and so you know what you're getting into with this fucking book <laughs> uh and it's a collection of short stories and it's uh, as far as i know it's the only book that uh, gyra has ever published uh and the short stories in here, I really consider the first extreme horror stories I ever read. If you know, if you're not counting, you know, like you know, Barker definitely had extreme stuff, and I did read him first. But this stuff is like really grotesque and vile, and you know, like you know, incest, bestiality, uh, and all sorts of you know taboo subjects like that in these dark existential horror stories. Uh, now, I, I I'm sorry to even mention this because it's kind of a tease. This is long out of print. This book sells like on eBay for like 200 bucks. Uh, so good luck finding it. But if you can, it's worth the money. Maybe not 200 bucks, but it's it's worth finding. Uh, and good luck, suckers. But if you can't find it, the story that I'm gonna that I that I wanted to mention is a story called Empathy, and Empathy is is was also featured in a book that you can find relatively easily, and that's the best of two thirteen sixty one publications, which is an anthology that has a lot of great writers, in, including Gyra Bajima. Uh, there's stuff actually written by Iggy Pop in here, and of course uh, Hubert Selby Jr., one of my favorite writers of all time, has some stuff in here too. Uh, so the story Empathy. Um, when I first read that story, I couldn't even believe it because I was like, how could this have been published? I really didn't believe you could publish something that vile and grotesque and um, just an aberrant subject matter. Uh, so hats off to Gaira and hats, hats off to Rollins for putting that out. Of course, there was spider punk stuff that existed before this book, but this was my particular introduction to it. So um, how about you? Do you have like certain... Uh, extreme horror stuff that you wanted to point out uh just like I, I, what i've brought up before the, the another collection is uh, angel dust apocalypse by jeremy robert johnson yeah who, like uh, was my introduction you know not only into bizarro but into like just that that it was extreme and and so like even extreme on the strange side where i was like what the fuck is this this is what i can I, I like it was my yeah. aha moment. This is this you is know? allowed. Yeah, <laughs> this is OK. Now I know, you know, and yeah. I'm trying like I was kind of trying to look to find the table of contents. I didn't think to grab my book. I grabbed like bogus journey and sideways stories. But the fucking story in there that uh, really like was just the um, what is the fucking name of it? It 
I don't know what the title of the story is, so fuck you all. But it's in there. It might be the the titular story, but it's uh, about this. The apocalypse is happening, and the this guy's just watching it on the news while he's making a, a, a suit. He's sewing cockroaches to his suit, basically. Mm. And he covers his suit and cockroaches because those will those are going to uh last than like the nuclear war <laughs> right, and right. so yeah. that's how this guy's going to survive because it's impending like the the president's like now broadcasting from his bunker they're they're sending the bombs mm-hmm. and they go off and this guy ends up getting carried off by his suit of roaches like they end up walking him to you know have this fight with um, the the mayor who was covered himself in Twinkies because that's the other thing that will, <laughs> will outlast the apocalypse that you've all oh you know, heard God. about. So oh, you can imagine funny. what happens when a cockroach suit attacks a Twinkie suit. Um, <laughs> but uh, he does it so well. And I was like, man, this is like the most genius thing I've ever read, you know? Right. Uh, so That's funny. So yeah, that was one of my favorites as well. But um, do you have any more you want to mention? Oh, definitely. Yeah, definitely. Um, well, uh, another one that uh, really, that really like shocked me when I was was younger um, is there was this series of books um, called the Hot Blood series. Do you remember these? Uh, Hot Blood. They were an anthology yeah, series. Yeah, they were put out uh, by uh, Pocket Books Horror, uh, and they were just anthologies of of erotic horror stories, Ooh, uh, and. Yeah, and I have a couple of these, and they're actually really good. A lot of really great writers contributed to these, uh, you know, including you know Bentley Little, who we mentioned earlier, and uh, yeah. and this uh, per- particular one, it's pretty cool. It's uh, got an introduction by uh, Brink Stevens, the Scream Queen. Uh, this is the the Hot Blood series it's called Seeds of Fear, and there is a story in here uh, by John F. D. Taff, uh, who is you know you know, a, you know cool dude. You know, I've met him at uh, StokerCon and everything. Um, but he, uh, you know, he wrote a short story here called "Just a Phone Call Away," and I read it when I was a teenager. I could not fucking believe it. Uh, it was—it's basically, you know, this was back when phone sex was a thing, and uh, it's about a phone sex operator who gets into uh, self mutilation uh, right. with her with her uh, customers, and yeah, it's uh, it goes to very very dark places. Um, but yeah, I highly recommend people check out the, the, these Hot Blood series. You know, they're just like. You can get them pretty cheap. They're, you know, these old books from the 90s. But uh, that story in particular was one of those where I, where it was kind of like an oh, shit uh, moment. Uh, and oh, and in this uh, it's in this same anthology, uh, Edward Lee has Grub Girl, which became a very popular series for him, the Grub Girl stories, and were even mm-hmm. made into uh, a comic book for mm-hmm. Verotic Comics, uh, which is, of course, Glenn Danzig's uh, uh, comic book company. Uh, unfortunate... Uh... Comic book, <laughs> right? right. But, uh, no, the Grub Girl stuff was 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 cool though because it's based on Edward Lee's stories and not yeah, Dan's yeah, no, <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, yeah. You're no, that that's true. You true, yeah. but that that does bring me to Edward Lee and uh, one of my favorite of his collections is this one here, Brain Cheese Buffet, uh, which is essential reading for any fan of I have that too, Yeah. Any oh. fan of platter spunk, uh, splatter platter spunk, so this platter Ooh. platter punk. Uh, uh, this this one has some of his most notorious uh, stories, including one of the Grub Girl stories. It's uh, Grub Girl in the Prison of Dead Women. Um, 
But the story that I wanted to bring uh, to bring up, I mean, a lot of people will probably bring up the uh, the Dritifilist or however you say it, uh, which is a super disgusting story. Uh, but the one that I really love in here is the first story, which is called Mr. Torso. Um, do you remember Mr. Torso? Have you read the book? I know you said you have it. Have you read it yet? No, I've read the book. Um, okay. it's, yeah, just as soon as you remind me, I'm sure I'll know which one it is. Well, it's it's about a there's a serial killer who's just dumping torso women's torsos on the road, like uh, or I mean, no, he's taking the torsos. I'm sorry, uh, and he's just dumping the ligaments, uh, the limbs on the yeah. on the road. So it's like they're finding women's legs and arms, but nothing else. Mm. Uh, and he what he what it turns out he's doing is he's kidnapping these prostitutes and keeping them in, in like his own chamber like uh for purposes i don't want to give away why he's doing this uh because it's a really really good story um and i believe it was stoker nominated uh when it came out and he should have got the fucking award because it remains one of the greatest horror stories short stories i've ever read um so yeah highly highly recommend that one yeah i have uh, to revisit that collection i i do remember it being extremely shocking like whoa this is fucking rad i oh, can't yeah. believe this yeah, that story in particular, I really love. There's other stories in there that are much more disgusting but, than that one, but that one is really, like, really nails the horror element. Um, uh, another another horror story that I really like uh, is uh, by a woman named Nancy Holder, and I wanted to bring up her because she like is known to like horror writers, but really like from a previous generation, you know, it's kind of like Charles L. Grant or some of these uh, horror writers that are really great from the eighties that are just kind of uh, fallen by the wayside with fans. Like people just don't know these, mm. these authors, you know, like older people do. Uh, but uh, anyway, uh, I wanted to mention, like she had a short story that I really love. It always stuck with me uh, called I hear mermaids singing. And, it starts off and you think it's actually about a mermaid, but it turns like what it slowly dawns on you, like as you're reading it, it's this it's this woman who's uh, delusional and believes she's a mermaid. And it's a really spooky uh, story. Uh, That's the best way to describe it. It just gets mm. under your skin, kind of chills you. Uh, it yeah. doesn't have any super like brutal like horror to it. It's just a real creepy, uh, like disturbing story um much in the way that bentley little's llama is uh so i don't want to give away more than that i just check recommend you check out nancy holder and particularly that short story if you can find it uh it, it was in uh an anthology that i read uh but you can you know find her stuff anyway um uh but but, but i did want to talk about some stuff that isn't necessarily horror in, in short stories if i may uh, just mm -hmm. real quick, I'll just bring up three books of short stories that I highly recommend to everybody. Uh, okay. One is one is probably the best book of short stories um, is Larry Brown's Facing the Music. Cool. Uh, this this is an excellent excellent book of just uh, literary fiction. Um, but there's a story in here, one of my favorite short stories uh, ever, um, and that's called uh, Kubu Ku Rides. And it's a, just a story about a woman who's an alcoholic um, and just the horrors of alcoholism. Kubuku? Kubuku rides. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, I want to make sure you weren't saying like, Tubuku, Tubuku. No, like, no. You know, from Full <laughs> Metal Jacket. No, I don't know if it's a full metal. No. Okay. No, it's K U B U K U. Kubuku rides. But just read this entire book. Uh, like John Wayne, you too. Like facing the music by Larry Brown. I cannot. Me too. Yes. I, I cannot recommend a book more highly. It's absolutely exceptional. 
Uh, and I've read other stuff by by Mr. Brown as well that was very good. But facing the music is uh, exceptional, and it's like a, I think it's a great instructional tool of how you can write short stories. Uh, I also really enjoy this one. It's a uh, Rock Springs by the author Richard Ford. Uh, this is an excellent excellent collection of literary uh, short stories uh, that just happen to take place in the landscape of the American West. Uh, you know, it's uh, it's just like people driving across Wyoming and just kind of like the end, you know, the, every story is different, but that's like, that's just an example of like these low time, you know, down and out crooks and, you know, people like that uh, yeah. really, really just excellent, excellent stuff. And he has a way of with his stuff all the time, but particularly I think in this book of creating a story that's not only very lyrical in its voice, but also has like, it's kind of an anti story where he's really giving you more of a, a look at a certain character uh and not necessarily like here's a beginning and middle end of what happened it was it's more just like a glimpse into the life of this character yeah know? i like stuff like that it's yeah it's glimpse in type of deal. yeah in and out yeah. it's very good very good cool. uh, and, one, and one more i'll mention is um song of the silent snow by hubert selby jr cool. uh hubert selby jr is in my top five favorite writers of all time if you're going to read uh, anything of his, I, I highly recommend his novel, The Demon. But if you want to get a, a little glimpse into his stuff, Song of the Silent no Snow is good because it's a collection of short stories. Um, and it re this these short stories kind of give you a uh, a look at uh, what the Brooklyn was like uh, in the early uh, 20th century. Um, mm. well, or, well, I was closer to mid, I would say, like 40s, 50s, 60s. Uh, it's a really great snapshot of Brooklyn at that time. Uh, so... Killer. check that out check that out folks right uh, let me see here i had this i had this list here i want to see if I, there's anything i forgot <laughs> um oh Hi. Uh, oh good i do i did one another one i wanted to mention um uh and that'll bring me to these anthologies i wanted to bring up uh there's a short story called sticks uh by carl edward wagner he's another author that kind of like you just, no one talks about it anymore, uh, but people do bring up that story. Uh, it's a favorite of uh, Stephen King's actually, um, which is where I first heard about it. And it's can be kind of attributed to Lovecraft. It's very Lovecraftian. Uh, it's also, um, you know, it, it basically it's about a guy who is a, uh, an artist who's um, paid to do illustrations for a book. Uh, and he gets some of these, in, in some of this inspiration from these weird, uh stick like sculptures that he finds out in the woods um and yeah. i don't want to give more away because like what it leads to is really just really frightening but it's, it's it definitely has like that eldritch horror feel um right to it and uh like i remember when i saw uh true detective um you know the, the, the hbo show the first season which is very good um there's like these stick things uh, that are in it like the serial killer leaves behind these stick ornaments that he makes and like it's like it just immediately brought this story to mind and then later as i was watching the show um you know the, the matthew mcconaughey's character is uh, an existential pessimist and he gives these kind of monologues and, and they're like straight out of Thomas Ligotti's mouth. Like there's so much like know. his, his nonfiction book, the conspiracy against the human race that I was kind of like, what the fuck? And I looked it up and many other Ligotti fans kind of called the show out on it. And uh, the guy who wrote the show, Nick Nicholas something, I forget his name. 
was like, oh, yeah, no, I really liked that book. And I was kind of paying tribute. And it's like, eh, you kind of plagiarized a little, but, you know, it's okay. But it made me, yeah. it led me to believe that he probably read Styx uh, by Wagner. Uh, yeah. And that's where he got drew that inspiration from. So Styx is a really good one. Uh, unfortunately, Wagner is another one like The Consumer uh, by Gyra, where uh, his collections are really hard to find. They're out of print and expensive. But Styx you can find in several different horror anthologies. Uh, and one of them is this one I want to show here. This is a book called The Dark Descent. Cool. And I've had this book since I was a teenager. And it's like a big old thing. It's like a thousand pages. But it contains uh, – it's it doesn't just have – horror short stories in it it kind of is gives like you, you a history of the horror story at the same time through mm. reading these stories uh so this is absolutely essential for horror fans and horror horror writers if you want to know the evolution of horror uh which is the subtitle of the book and this has stuff like you know you'll get stuff in here from lovecraft and king but you'll also get stuff from like charles dickens and like Ambrose Bierce and, you know, Fritz Lieber, Joyce Carol Oates, uh, you know, and the list just goes on and on. Um, Edgar Allan Poe, of course, Richard Matheson. Uh, so definitely check out The Dark Descent. Uh, that That is considered one of like the great uh, horror anthologies ever released. Uh, as still, is, is that one still in print? Yeah, uh, th th this version I have is the old one, but no, it's it remains in print. You can get it, uh, like you know, it's been reprinted. Uh, and this one I think has been reprinted, but I found it. I, I'm you. I found it uh, relatively cheaply not too long ago. Uh, and this is also considered one of the greatest ever. This is uh, Dark Forces, uh, and this cool. contains stuff by um, uh, Richard Christian Matheson, son of Richard Matheson, uh, Charles L. Grant, who I mentioned earlier. It's got uh, Ramsey Campbell, uh, Ted Klein. Uh, Ted Klein's another one. His stuff is impossible to find now, by the way. Uh, and also, uh, who I mentioned earlier, it has Carl Edward uh, Wagner in it. And this was also uh, premiered uh, The Mist by Stephen King uh, in this particular oh, cool. book. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, those two, uh, Dark Forces, edited by Kirby McCauley, and The Dark Descent, edited by David G. Hartwell. Um, I highly recommend uh, these anthologies if you want the best horror anthologies ever put out. Yes, I'm going to check those out. I wrote them down. Cool. <clears throat> Just like uh, you said. Cool. That a boy. Um, now speaking of Tom Slagati, though, I mentioned a minute ago, uh, Grimscribe and Songs of a Dead Dreamer. Those are both excellent books. Um, his stuff is very different. Uh, don't expect a beginning, middle, and end really with his stories uh, either. No. Uh, and they don't make sense a lot of the time in like the straightforward way. Because uh, his stuff is really more philosophical horror, um, where he touches on nihilism, pessimism, defeatism, fatalism, uh, mm -hmm. and other you know philosophical uh, uh, phil philosophical aspects of horror, um, you know, man's meaninglessness in, in the universe and stuff like that. Uh, he, he also really sub subscribed to uh, the uh, Lovecraft method of of um, storytelling in that regard. Um, so yeah, he's, he's really good. I definitely check, recommend those books. Um, but I had a couple of short stories that are, where are they? I wrote them down. Ah, here we go. Um, I had a couple of short stories that are by current authors, um, that I want to recommend too, uh, that I really liked. Uh, one of them is, uh, Angel Bait by Ryan Harding, co-author of the Night Stalkers with yours truly. Uh, Ryan has a great, uh, very good collection of, um, 
of extreme splatter stories called Genital Grinder. Mm-hmm. Uh, but a, a more recent story he wrote is the story Angel Bait, which actually got the uh, last year's Splatterpunk Award for Best Short Story. And oh, it cool. definitely deserved it. Uh, Angel Bait can be found in the Big Book of Blasphemy, which was put up by Necro Publications. Uh, I have a short story in that as well called Goddess of Gallows. Uh, lots of great authors in that one. Um, but uh, Angel Bait was definitely my favorite of all the stories. Uh, it's way better than the one I wrote. <laughs> um, I like the one I wrote, but Angel Bait I really like. Um, so I highly recommend you, you, you check out the Big Book of Blasphemy uh, if, if for nothing else for Ryan's story. Yeah. Um, Another one is uh, by my buddy uh, Chad Straub, who I re- co-wrote a novelette with that appeared in uh, Cheryl Mad 4, which is called uh, Asperitis. Uh, but he wrote a story uh, for uh, a, what was a book called Splatterlands, an anthology, and the story was called Party Guests. And it's uh, the main character, the narrator, is autistic. Um, and the way he wrote it, uh, he told me uh, his uh, wife was involved with working with autistic people and uh like he kind of learned from her like how their minds work or, or how they work as as far as like words would be uh played out uh yeah. I, I'm kind of explaining it wrong but like the way he wrote it uh he the way he formed his sentences were kind of done in a way that reflected the autistic mind uh yeah. in a way that I thought was very innovative and very good uh, and that story is that story is fucked up and and, and scary too. So, yeah. uh, there. What else? What else? There was. Oh, uh, Matt Kurtz, uh, friend of the show. Matt Shouts Kurtz. Out. Uh, he wrote a story called Finger Cuffs, which appeared yeah. in uh, one of the uh, with his DOA two. Uh, it appeared, um, and it also appeared in um, one of his Monkey Box of Horror collections so he has three books called monkeys box of horror uh or box of terror uh but anyway it's short stories the three collections but finger cuffs i loved because it's it starts off with this creepy guy driving in like a rural area and there's these little girls that have a lemonade stand and you know you figure like this guy's all creepy he's getting kind of like you know hot under the collar like he wants to like molest these two little girls so you know, like so it sets you up as being like oh man this guy is the villain of this story but as it turns out these girls are just bait for people like him and what what he is led into is this horrific uh experience uh so i really loved that technique where even in a short story he was able to kind of flip what your expectation like that uh, and set you up to think you're going in one direction, like, oh, okay, so we got this this creepy child molester guy, but no, that's not where it, like the where no. it goes, you know? Yeah. Uh, so uh, yeah, those are really really good, and I know I know I'm rambling, but there's one more that I have to mention, and it kind of it, it, it's a stretch to call them short stories. They're really more like novelettes and novellas, but I have to mention this book. Uh, it's uh, Tim Levin's uh, Fears Unnamed. Uh, cool. A lot of us, a lot of us know Tim. I haven't met him myself, but uh, I, I hope to one day because I really, really look up to him as a writer. Um, Fears Unnamed is a, a collection of four uh, novellas. It, you know, to, if I'm going to be honest, they're novellas, but uh, they're so fucking good, all four of them. Uh, and my particular favorite one is just called White, uh, and it's about. You know, it kind of has this feeling of like the thing where it's like these people are like stuck in the snow 
but it's not like the thing, but it has that kind of same kind of feeling of claustrophobia, these people in the snow, and it's kind of post-apocalyptic. They kind of like, you know, he kind of like leads you in, not really knowing what's going on. Uh, but White has what might be my favorite opening line of a story ever, which is, we found the first body the day after Christmas. Yeah, like nice. That grabs you immediately. Or no, you know what? I think it's before, but either way, we found the first body the day before Christmas, you know? Uh, That becomes a new Christmas Eve tradition for you then. Right, right. It can, you know, it being Christmas, a Christmas time story. Yeah. Uh, but that that line is a great example of how you pull someone in immediately. Uh, they, yeah. Like he's saying, we found the first body. Uh, so you already know there's going to be death murder in this, you know, um, or you expect murder anyway, because it's a horror story. But anyway, gra- that grabs you right away. Uh, and then by making it around Christmas, it adds an extra layer of like darkness to it that to find a dead body, you know, at a time that's supposed to be the happiest time of the year, you know, there's like an extra like sinister a pernicious layer to that um exactly. so yeah uh highly recommend fears unnamed by tim levin it's one of my it's it's the best uh novella or i'm sorry uh yeah yeah novella it's the best collection of novellas i've ever read uh i put it right up there with like you know some of the, the ones that king put out for four past midnight stuff like that yeah hell yeah cool man um well, we're going long, but I did want to say to to bring it home. Do you what do you like? Do you uh, do you like writing short stories better than longer fiction, or or vice versa, or neither? Um, well, as I've as I've progressed as a writer, my work, uh, like my novels, have become longer and longer. Um, I used to write a novel that would turn out to be like two, three hundred pages, and now, like you know, I've had this five hundred page western. I've got a, a sequel coming out to the Western that's going to be even longer than the first one, uh, the 13th Coyote. It's going to be even, the, the sequel's going to be longer. Uh, and I have another new novel. That, that's the tagline of it, too. The 13th Coyote the sequel's going to be longer. It's going to be longer. Uh, and then I wrote another one that uh, that has, has not been picked up yet. I'm still polishing it, but it's it's another long, long uh, horror novel. Uh, so I have been kind of getting more into like these meaty books. Uh, but at the same time, not everything I write is going to be like that. I've written, you know, some novelettes and stuff fairly recently, and I do enjoy writing this short story. But there are uh, there are different, uh, you know, challenges, you know, compared, you know, to writing one or the other. Yeah. Do you prefer a certain format, mm-hmm. long form, short form fiction? No, I don't. I don't prefer one over the other. I like to write to prompts that I'll find just to kind of keep myself sharp because that is like, okay, I don't even. This wasn't on my mind, but let me try to write well, to what, this. What, what do you mean? What do you mean by prompts? Can you tell us what what you mean by that? Oh, like like, like if there's an open call for an anthology, or and it's like oh, okay. it's gonna and have like this needs to take place during this, like right, right, or That's how, a... yeah, how do these people feel about this and right. like whatever that kind of thing so that's what i like to kind of pull up just write to those and then i just have a bunch of stories that i can send if i want or not Mm -hmm. um but yeah i don't know i've been writing a bunch of longer stuff as well so i haven't even been writing like grown-up story time stories it's lately i mean they're on a hiatus right now but uh, i don't know i haven't uh i i really have to sit down and almost tell myself this is going to be a short story but even then, if I like it, I'll expand it out. I don't know. That that's uh, yeah. I almost have to tell myself I'm writing a short story. Don't make this fucking 
don't go too far, you know? Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I like to do both. But like I said, I do. I really do like having the like, uh, <clears throat> can I write to this theme or prompt like thrown mm-hmm. at me to be like, yeah, let me do it, baby. Yeah. You know, stay sharp. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> one of the things I like about anthologies is that you're able to read so many different styles and interpretations, uh, you know, in, in one book. Um, yeah. I'm, I must admit, I'm not the biggest fan of reading themed anthologies, you know, but it depends on how loose the theme is. You know, like the big book of blasphemy was like, just make this story, you know, somewhat sacrilegious. That's it. Mm-hmm. And so like the stories in that book really range, like, you know, they run the gamut, you know? Uh, but so I've been in other anthologies where I'm like, okay, this is really specific, you know, <laughs> like, you know, yeah. uh, but uh, and so I think books that are like anthologies that are a little too specific, I kind of go, eh, you know. But uh, yeah, but um, it's it's always good. Like like I was saying, like Dark Forces and The Dark Descent, uh, you get like these short stories that there is no theme to those books, but uh, you get these the looks at like different approaches to telling a short story of how mm. it's done, you know. Um, and yeah, the best way to learn how to write. The, anything is to to read and read and read you know read, what, read, read, what yeah, it is absolutely. you want to do what it is you yeah. want to do yeah um but uh, a lot of people there's this this general belief among a lot of horror writers uh that i've heard this a lot recently is that that a lot of people think that uh the novella is the is the right format for horror it's like the ideal format for horror that it gives mm. you just enough time but not too much you know, that, like it makes it more concise. I don't know if I necessarily agree with this. Um, I'm actually going to say I don't think I agree with it. Um, but I can see, I can understand that argument. Um, you know, like you you can have a slightly longer than a short story, but not to make it stretch too far. Um, but uh, but then, you know, you would lose epics like Stephen King's The Stand, you know, or Clive Barker's The Great and Secret Show. So... Yeah, I'm not sure if I agree with that as a blanket yeah. statement, especially yeah. um, what I what I see the value in it was like a couple of people just over this past two weeks while I was out of town were like, I'm like to read, you know, how we'll ask people like, what are you into reading? You like to read and people. Some people be like, I need to get back in or I'm trying to get back in. But I had several people like pick up some of the books and be like, yeah, see, this isn't too long. So I could read like through this pretty, like mm-hmm. pretty quick. I, I like that, you know, yeah, so that, yeah. that I can see the appeal in that maybe people getting back to read, but I don't think that, that, that is something that's like all horror needs to go to that because right. it, I, right. I don't agree with that. You know? Yeah. But um, each yeah. has its value, you know? Yeah. Each. But yeah, I know what you mean. Like with the 13th coyote being a 500 page book, you know, like some people, they look at it and they're just like, Oh Jesus. You know, cause it is a commitment when you get into a book that that's, that's that thick. Um, mm. But uh luckily people have told me that it doesn't drag that it's re- that they really like it and that it, the pacing was fine uh but it can be intimidating and like you said some people they want to get back into reading they're not going to pick up uh a, a book that like they could do curls with you know <laughs> they're going to put yeah. pick up a novella or, or something like that well, um, that well and then i but i could see it going the same way for like someone that wants to get back into reading so that i'm going to commit myself to this big fucking book like the stand or something because i'm going to get through it you know that yeah, could yeah, be a way if, to look if, at if they're too. just super if they're super determined yeah yeah that's yeah. true um, i don't know I, I, but i think these these uh anthologies are a great way too because you're 
you know, you're getting different stories by different authors. So you may not like one, but it's not going to turn you off the book if you read one or two that you don't like. Because if you right. if you got a collection by a single author, you read a couple you don't like, you're like, okay, this guy sucks uh, or this girl sucks, you know. Um, but if you're reading an anthology, uh, you know, you're getting something, someone and something different on every page. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's an, another way people could get back into reading too. And it's a, the great thing about an anthology too, is like you, you discover great writers that way. Exactly. You know, many, yeah. yeah. I've discovered many authors that I, that I really cherish by reading a, a story of theirs in, you know, just a short story in one of these anthologies and then looking up their novels and, and things like that. You know, that's how I got into Ligotti. So, yeah, definitely. Definitely. I've discovered a lot of great authors that way too. Yeah. Um, and even in the Bizarro world, like early Bizarro anthologies are really pretty cool. Like the big yeah. book of Bizarro one and two. Um, there's a couple other ones, Bizarro, Bizarro, uh, one and two, I think also are pretty good. Um, so yeah. And then I, that's how I got to know a bunch of those, those authors in that whole scene as well, looking up mm-hmm. their stuff like, Oh, what else do they write about? This story's cool. Um, so yeah. So it's just like, if you're trying to get back into reading, maybe the short story is the way to go for you, especially horror. Yeah. You know, right now, perhaps. Could be. Could be. Maybe the key is starting to read a most excellent movie adaptation of Bill and Ted. <laughs> of Bill and Ted right? In comic book form. You know, that could be yeah. also. In comic book form, which is like the, the greatest achievement of all literature. Pretty much. I, I mean, here you go. <laughs> Boom, bam. This is the yeah. whole thing. What is that? Is that a, oh, is that a, um. A Game Boy game, The Punisher. Ooh, can't can't have that game anymore. Um, yeah. Special appearance by Spider Man. Great. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, um, yeah, I think that that covers short stories. Uh, we I think we've given people plenty to check out. Um, yeah, a lot to chew on, and um, yeah. a lot a lot to call the Corey Hotline about as well. If you have yeah. questions about if you read one of these or something and you're like, you know, I thought this actually was this or that. Or, hey, you got me back into reading. Thanks, guys. Or, hey, these books are shitty and you guys, suck. <laughs> you know, <laughs> why do you suck? Like, that's a question as yeah. well we could answer. So and I know I kind of went on and on with this one, uh, but I uh, it's just something I'm really passionate about. And I no, and like I was trying to I was trying to choose like certain short stories, but then I was like, oh, but but there's this one, and then there's this anthology I got to mention, and there's this book yeah. I got to mention. Too you know, many, so. but that's fine. We could do yeah. whatever we want. That's Our true. Show. But yeah, no, those were great. I even wrote down some of the ones that I haven't read yet that I do want to check out. So cool. everyone else should too, and call the Corey Hotline eight three two nine three zero one three four seven, and let us know what you've read, um, and how you feel. Oh, uh-huh. the yellow, the yellow wallpaper. It's another really. Good oh, story. that's a great <laughs> fucking story. Hell yeah, hell yeah. I do love yeah. that one too. Yeah, um, yeah that's that's. And the lottery one. by Shirley Jackson also. That, yeah, mean. the lottery. It's good. Well, the uh, yellow wallpaper is in it's the in dark there. set, and that's I re- where I, that's where I first read it. Yeah. I read it in one of my uh, literature classes, and then wrote about it. So. Yeah. That was a, that was a great one. So anyway, a lot of stuff to read and yes. listen to. <laughs> and listen to reading about. Yeah. Uh, and again, sorry for there wasn't a show last week. We'll make it up somehow. This is how we'll do it. Somehow. Somehow. To, to be announced. TBH. Got to get those. I've got it. What? Somehow. Somehow. <laughs> Scene missing. Um, all right. <laughs> all right. Check us out. Uh, I love you, dude. And uh, I love you all. And I you.
and also with you. Thank you.